Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Friday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin in today. I'm Anthony Stalter. Marshy Marsh behind the dials. We appreciate everybody tuned in on a Friday here in St. Louis, and it should be a fun weekend. Got it kind of kicked off last night in some respects with the Blues knocking off the Sabres in a 6-4 win. And, guys, I think we can look at this in a couple different ways. Uh, one, the Blues scored six goals, made it, made it look real easy at times. And Jordan Bennington also had to make 42 saves in that win. By the way, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. Filling in good for Jamie and BT. So happy to be here. And Sometimes thanks for I having like me. To, I get so excited. I like to start hot. Dan. I get it. You came in hot, and this can be a hot show. Darn right. A lot of hot takes. Yeah. How about Jake Neighbors, Jordan Bennington, and the fact that the Blues are, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I could not have said that more perfect. You, you said I, I don't know, no I don't know if you meant to say it that oh, way. I did. You yeah. landed it perfectly. Who are the St. Louis Blues? No idea. I, I don't know either. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. They can be really bad. Then you have a first period like last night, and you go, "Hey, first ten minutes, this is a really good team." Mm-hmm. Jake Neighbors goes from the fourth line. Now we have all of a sudden he's on the first line. He's on pace for thirty-five goals. You go, "How'd that happen?" Right. And Bennington has been awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking at some of the numbers. Even strength last night, okay, they had 41% of the shot attempts. The Blues did. 41%, 37%. That's it of the scoring chances. The Sabres threw 82 shots towards Bennington. 46 landed on goal. And Bennington has just been outstanding. By the way, the Blues have had uh, been outshot in terms of shot attempts in... 19 of their 22 games and yet here they are in a playoff spot and we're 22 games in and i'm still trying to figure out who are the st louis blues and it's it's different each night it's mostly been bennington right but i agree the the defense the defense at times has looked good the defense at times has also looked like it was a year ago the the scoring was cold at the start and the the scoring has been better of late i mean he scored six goals last night and a lot of those things were pretty i mean the, the jordan Cairo pass to who was it was it neighbors on the one or so he he scores he scores that the the other one booch to to neighbors that was pretty as well they they're they've got the skill it's depending, there it, depending on the opponent depending on whether or not you know they're they're not hitting crossbars and and things like that but you're right dan i don't know who i don't really know who they are either i mean 80 something odd shots that that's not good. You're not possessing the puck enough. It's kind of a, a microcosm of the Blues, but who is Jake Neighbors? Second multi-goal game in his last three. Started on the fourth line, then jumped to the second. And before the Nashville game, it was just a week ago, he's on the top line. And all of a sudden, he's producing at a high level. He leads the team in goals. Seven I mean, goals in seven games. In his last he, seven games. If you had that on your bingo card, we need to have him talk to our friends and my friends in particular that like to do some things on the weekends. Uh-huh. You know, they just 
They look at lines. They okay? dabble. They dabble a little bit. Those are my friends <laughs> that I try to give advice to, as sure. you well know. So if you had that guy doing what he's doing, then you're a better man than me. Yeah, no kidding, Dan. He's already neighbors already has set a new high in his career. Obviously, with nine goals, ten points through his first twenty two games this season. Top line minutes for for Jake Davis. I don't know if it lasts or not, but you you ride it you ride it while it's hot right now. He's been phenomenal. And I loved what Braden Shen did last night. He he gave it up. He could have gone for a hat trick. He's trying to get neighbors the hat trick. Right. That's teamwork. You know, that's a captain being a captain. And I, I thought that was cool the way that that game was, was, was winding down. Yeah, so two goals last night for, for the captain and an assist. Shen extended the Blues lead to 2 nothing. Got the power play, which was it's been dismal. Yep, got a power play goal. So you got a power play goal, which was which was huge. That that came in the first period. Before then, adding another goal and an assist in the second period. This was last night was Shen's first multi-point effort since November 11th. So wow, he needed it. Yeah, and got Bridget off to a slow start too offensively. Yep. Some of the others did as well. So a good good night for the St. Louis Blues, and they'll be on the road, I believe, tomorrow. That's yes. why we do not have Jamie with us today. They're in Arizona again, Mullet, again Mullet Arena. I think they take on the Coyotes 42 times in the first half. After the COVID year when they faced them, what, eight times yeah. in a row, whatever it was? It feels like that. Well, fortunately, we're not dealing with the COVID stuff. Thank God. Uh, at least to that degree. Yeah. But yeah, Blues and Coyotes, it does feel like the 2020 season. You 21, told me. 21 yeah, 2021. You told me that your favorite weekend mm-hmm. was Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. This is a pretty darn good weekend too. This one's fun. I was, you know what, Dan? It was funny. I, I was, I was going to ask you where this ranks week with sports wise because last weekend was my favorite because you have Thanksgiving. Yeah, so you got you got three games now NFL and college. You got the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. Yep. Then Black Friday, you had all the college football games, and they snuck an NFL game in there for you. And you had Missouri. So locally, it Ex- was fun to see them play. Get, yeah, usually get Mizzou and Arkansas. Arkansas. Saturday, you get you get uh, a pretty good slate, which features Michigan, Ohio State, and, and then they're Sunday, both really good. So that made it fun and a lot absolutely. on the line with Harbaugh and everything surrounding the program. And then Sunday, you get a full NFL slate, so that's good. This weekend, I I don't think it's as good. So as, this is one A for you. Yeah, although I would also say that New Year's Day and New Year's Eve with the 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 college football playoff games yep. and then the the New Year's Day bowl games that that's up there too. How about though this weekend if all the favorites win the the conference title games mm-hmm. you figure Texas probably ends up in 5th place. So the Longhorns head to the Cotton Bowl, but I I I don't know man, I don't know what happens with Florida State. The committee is instructed to judge the team as it is entering the postseason. You can't look at Florida State, who could be using their third-string quarterback this weekend, as saying yep. that's one of the top four teams, even if they beat Louisville. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But then I say to myself, they're undefeated. They're undefeated. How do you keep them title, out? With a conference title. So how do you keep them out? I think I think they have to be in if, they're, if they win, but I don't think we have to worry about it. What I do think, you got? I think Louisville wins. Do you? I and I said this. Marsh, Marsh can back me up on this. I said this two days ago before the Tate Rodemaker news came out. If you don't, if you don't know, about 20, 20 minutes ago, thirty minutes ago, word spread that that Tate Rodemaker was the backup quarterback for Florida State because Jordan Travis was their starter. 
Tate Rodemaker is in doubt for tomorrow night's game against Louisville in that ACC championship. He took a gruesome hit last weekend and concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. We saw a true freshman come in, and now he's got a chance to send them to a potential national title situation as an 18, 19-year-old kid. It's too much. It's I agree. Too, it's too much, Dan. The Florida State's defensive line is is one of the the best that Louisville will have faced. But if you look at Florida State's schedule, I don't think that Florida State has really faced a juggernaut when it comes to quarterback play. The only one that they did, of LSU. course, was Jaden Jaden Daniels, yeah. and that was LSU. the first game of the season. Exactly, and like you know, you look at their schedule throughout. One thing that Brom does, he's the head coach for Louisville. He will attack that man-to-man defense for Florida State. They play a lot of man-to-man, and Brom knows how to scheme up to beat. You know, he'll have a lot of man-man coverage beaters within that offense. And and Plummer, the kid for Louisville, is pretty good. He's not great, but he's 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 very good. And that Louisville offense is good. They can come up with a couple of stops, which I, I have to anticipate against a true freshman starting in. You know, the biggest game of his life. I have to imagine Louisville's going to come up with some stops. I got them in a small upset. Okay, Thursday night football last night. Dallas 41-35 to over the Seahawks. Cowboys are now 9-3. and They've got the Eagles left, the Bills and the Dolphins, and mm-hmm. the Lions. So it's going to get tough, and then they finish up with Washington. But, again, an impressive win for Dallas, and they're unbelievable at home. They just don't lose at home. They won 14 straight. So I want to get into this game next. I mean, I got, I, you know how I do this. I jump around, baby. I love, I love how you jump around. You I sure want, about that? I want to spend, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you kidding me? Dan, I want to ask you something about Dallas. And we'll get into it in the next break. I, I think the, the, for lack of a better word, the lazy conversations, whether or not Dak is an MVP candidate, he is. He is. The numbers have been outstanding. Yep. But I'm going to ask you this. Is Dallas a product of its schedule, or are they flying under the radar as a legit Super Bowl contender. Do you remember what I said a couple weeks ago? I said, keep an eye on Dallas. They're really three plays away. I guess I'm supposed Against to wait, Philly. right? Yeah. yeah. I'm supposed you to could, wait, right? You could give, this is also part this of the tease. It's a tease. So you could, te- you could tease you do the, that in radio. <laughs> you could tease the listeners a little bit more, Dan, if you I want. I can do that. I can do that. I'll wait. I'll wait. I got a lot Mar- on my mind. You know that. Marsh, do you, do you want to wait to make your announcement? What'd you do, Marsh? I have no idea. Missed oh. you at Thanksgiving. Mm. What are you talking about, Dan? I was there. Where are you? In spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marsh, do you, do you want to do you want to admit to the the public what what you did last night? I'll tease the listeners too. All right, Marsh. Me and Dan has, are just teasing everybody. Marsh has right, a confession. Marsh has a confession to make. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know what you were talking about, and then I was like, ah, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all right. So Marsh, Marsh is in some trouble, Dan. Okay. And uh, and then we'll get into this Dallas game. I also think that Mike McCarthy deserves a hell of a lot more credit than the Green. public the public is giving him. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A lot of people now have Dak Prescott as either the leader or, you know, one of the favorites to win the MVP. I don't think that you can include Dak Prescott in a conversation for MVP without also discussing the job that Mike McCarthy has done. 
And I have been a, a, a big Mike McCarthy supporter, Dan, because I feel like a lot of people view him as a bum that should be watching the games with you on your couch every weekend as opposed to, you know, coaching in the NFL. Yeah. I know the the end of the Green Bay tenure for Mike McCarthy was bumpy. I get that. I also know that everybody wants to give all the credit to Aaron Rodgers, which I understand, but you got to realize if you understand the history of the way that Mike McCarthy helped Aaron Rodgers when he first got into the league refine his mechanics to become you know, to unlock a lot of what Aaron Rodgers, that natural ability he had, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Rodgers is a stud. He's a Hall of Famer, okay? I'm not saying that it, it, it was mostly Mike McCarthy. No, it was mostly Aaron Rodgers. But you do need that guy to help you with your mechanics early on, especially if you struggle like Aaron Rodgers did, as well as the system early on. And think about the system ex- exactly now with Dallas, and he's taking over the play calling. A lot of people, a lot of people loved Kellen Moore the offensive coordinator over the last couple of years for Dallas. They kind of called him a a wonderkind, and he's got to be a head coach, and look at this. If you look at the numbers that Mike McCarthy, you you look at the numbers that the Cowboys have put up under Mike McCarthy, I mean, they're they're significantly better in a lot of key categories than what they have been over the last couple of years. And it's it's a similar team. CeeDee Lamb is there. Dak. You you got Dak. You got this similar offensive line, a similar defense. And yet the Cowboys are rolling. But my question to you is, is Dallas a product of its weak schedule, or do you think that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender after what you've seen? Uh, the Cowboys have beat, uh, I think, one team that's above 500. So that does lead itself to saying, okay, you're a little bit a product of your schedule. I go back, though, to last night where the defense wasn't great. Had a stop midway through the fourth when they needed it. Cowboys never sent out their punter. I mean, that's a pretty good team. I yeah. don't care what you're, who you're playing. You do something like that, um, you're going to win some games. And the other part was Seattle was 0 for 3 on fourth down. In the final two attempts, they were out of whack. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they made some adjustments defensively, Dallas did, to put them out of whack. And so when I look at what they were able to do, that's coaching too. And that's part of being a elite team. And mm-hmm. I look at them at nine and three. Now we're going to find out more about them with the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions coming up. I think you do. That's legitimate. Yeah. And you're going to find out more about them when they're on the road, as opposed to being at home, where it just seems like they're incredible. But they have elite players: C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott. That was the sixth straight game with multiple touchdown passes for Prescott. Yeah. So maybe he they, they've unlocked a little bit more out of him too. Pretty good coaching, pretty good players, adds up to a lot of wins, and they could be a threat. Here's the thing, though. You're 9-3, and three, and they probably start on the road in the playoffs. That's right. Right. Think about that. Yeah, because they're, they're they're unlikely to up upend the Eagles. Right. Although, I think the Eagles, and we'll get into this game a little bit later, but I think the 49ers beat the Eagles this week, and I've got very specific reasons for that. But I, I have the 49ers beating the Eagles, and then I believe the Cowboys host the Eagles next week. They were, they were inches away from beating the Eagles – in Philadelphia. So what do you think product weeks ago? of their schedule or not? I do think that they're a product of their schedule, but I'm not overlooking the fact that they're a really solid team. That's okay. the way I look I, at I'm, it too. I know I'm kind of talking out out of both of my both sides of my mouth, but what one, what else is new? But look, you can't discount the fact that they've beaten the Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, the, you know, the I actually thought the Chargers was a really good win because they got waxed by the 49ers 42 to 10 on on national TV. 
then had a Monday night game against right. the Chargers. And that could have, I mean, that, that their season could have went sideways in a hurry. And instead, they won a really tight game. And I think they should get some credit for that. The the Rams, though, they blew out the Rams. They blew out the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders. See us. They really haven't faced anybody. Seattle's an average team to me. And 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 the way that Seattle's playing now, I was impressed. I was impressed last night with Geno Smith. That was the best game that Geno Geno's played this season. That was the best game DK Metcalf, who's great, but that was one of his best games ever last night. DK so. Metcalf. But I think they're an average team. But if you're the Cowboys, can you beat the Eagles? Can you beat the Bills? Can you beat the Dolphins? The Lions? We're going to find out a lot more about Dallas going forward here. Dak the MVP right now. I still have Jalen Hurts as the MVP. I do too. I do too. I mean, when you have the record that they do, the fact that he's doing it hurt too. I, I think yes. when, when you watch him play, it's it's pretty clear he's not at a hundred percent. No. So to me, that's part of what you're looking at is that he is not a hundred percent. I'm not sure there's any player that's at a hundred percent at this point in the season, but at the most important position in the league, and he's out there hobbling around a little bit when he gets outside the pocket and he's not as quick as he once was Mm -hmm. a year ago. And that'll change as he heals up and whatnot. But Jalen hurts is the MVP. Yeah. And the results are there. I'm with you on that. Now, would I, would I argue against Dallas? If Dak continues to put up these numbers, I mean, you, you brought up some of the, the numbers earlier before, but he almost threw for 300 yards last night with three touchdowns. The other, the other factor is he's doing it when it when it matters. I mean, the Cowboys absolutely. I thought it was a mistake. I know the analytics crew will will push back. I thought it was a mistake that Dallas didn't kick the field goal when they were trailing by I think two at one point. About six minutes left, they went they went forward on a fourth and two. Yep. CD CD Lamb he catches that ball nine times out of ten. Last night though, he had dropped it. They, Dallas's defense, which had not played well, back on the field, wound up getting a big stop. But I thought it was a mistake they didn't kick the field goal. But when they needed a touchdown, Dak delivered, and this young kid, Jake Ferguson, their tight end, you know, they let Dalton Schultz walk in free agency. They bring in Jake Ferguson. Ferguson has been a red zone monster this year. Don't you think, too, that's Mike McCarthy saying, you know what, tonight our defense just isn't, it's just not very good. And yeah, so, so we, we got to win it now. Yeah, we yeah, got to make the sense. adjustment and say we're going to go for it. You know, Seattle was nine of fourteen on third down, four of four in the red zone. That's insane. But zero for three on fourth down. And so I think Mike McCarthy said, you know what, they're sticking it to us pretty well. Yeah. And so we need to counter that. And that's the best defense might right now might be to keep my offense on the field. Yeah, I get it. Uh, the numbers would suggest that they had they had a, a higher percentage to win that game if they went for it in that spot. I get the analytics of it. I also think that the way that offenses, not necessarily Dallas, but around the league this year, Dan, offense is offense is down. Yep, and I think way down. I think a lot of that, or not, not a lot. Let me fifty let me plus different quarterbacks are, have taken the snap. That's the biggest thing. But how many points are being left on the field because coaches now are a little are are, are more into analytics? Oh. I would be interested to know what what the payoff has been for teams that have gone for it in a certain spot and whether or not the it, after they got stopped if the opponent scored immediately have you noticed how often during these games the announcers bring bringing up, that up yeah and mm-hmm. i don't ever remember them saying well the analytics tell you to do this right do you it, like that the, as as a as an announcer do you yeah. like that the analytics itself, I, I just think that you can, the way that I would do it is I try to give as much information I can behind the decision that may be made. 
So, like last night, That's a good way to put them. is that the analytics say to go for it. Now, as an analyst, I'd want my analyst to say that and say, or even the play-by-play guy, it doesn't matter. But then I want the analyst to come in and say, the reason, though, that they may go against the grain and what the analytics say is that my defense, if I'm Mike McCarthy, has not been good tonight. Mm -hmm. And that may be a reason why he goes for it here. Just give me all the options. And none of the options probably are wrong. That's one thing Tim McCarver used to tell me. He'd say, I give you every option. I don't know if it's right. Yeah. That's what he'd say, you know. But the, you know that's it, it it's to some people it might sound like a cop out cuz all we want is like right and wrong and what's yeah. you know what's your prediction, right? And sometimes you do what's that. What's your decision though? What's I think I think you bring up a really good point. What is the decision making process like for Mike McCarthy in that spot or whatever coach, whatever manager? What's the thought process here? Because as a fan, I appreciate that as much as I appreciate whether or not he got it right or wrong, ultimately that's that's all that matters, right? Wins, wins and losses. But if I can think through the game like a manager or think through the game like a head coach, I, I that enhances the game for me. When I was watching the game last night, I thought this is a manager in baseball deciding whether or not to keep a starter in the game in the sixth inning. Yes. It was an analytical decision, or it's not, and I'm going with my gut. I think Mike McCarthy played his gut. Mm-hmm. Now, he had some reasoning behind it. You just don't say, well, I'm doing this because I feel like it. Right. You got reasoning behind it. But I actually thought, because analytics were brought up, I thought of the analytics, and I said, he's playing the gut here because mm-hmm. he realizes in this particular moment, this particular game, I got to go for it because if I don't, my defense is back on the field, and I'm not sure I can trust them tonight. It's it, the the decision behind that, or the thought process behind that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. By the way, you teased Marshy, and I'm yes. waiting. So, I'm, I'm waiting. So uh, we are now, Dan. As you know, we're battling the Rizzuto Show it's in a the battle. NFL Pick'em Challenge. It actually hasn't been much of a battle. Uh, we're eight two and one. They they That's claim. A they claim it's seven, three, and two, but the math uh, doesn't work out in their favor. You can go back, you can check it on the site yourself. We have eight wins. There's only what is this week thirteen now? Week thirteen. Mm-hmm. Th- our magic number is down to one. All they could do is tie us, but they got to win out. They got a gift last night. Marshy, Marsh. what happened? Uh, I failed to uh, put my Thursday night football pick in. So Damn. just period. You you just forgot. Oh, I just forgot. I would respect if he took the Seahawks for surely one, and he took the shot. He took like the he had the Packers against the Lions on Thanksgiving. That that takes some huevos rancheros to do that, right? Maybe you give him credit for that, even though last night he was forgetful. I think Dan that we're now even in that regard. That's what I'm saying. It's a wash now. So your genius of last week mm. is now taken away. That's fine. But I also won't crush you because of the decision you made last night well and, i appreciate that and we talked about it we did i mean several Anthony times i reminded said, it. <laughs> the show is over i'm wrapping up you know i got some social stuff we're, we're figuring out uh for after the show so all of our listeners if they miss something they can obviously go back and social to means social media not the fact that you're meeting up with buddies nice. to go watch the game good no. clarification yes, on that one, both i don't know uh and uh i mean anthony literally said hey make sure you get your pick and i said absolutely yeah and then i just didn't do it nope and i it's bad marsh i looked i looked at all the picks beforehand there's mm-hmm. only two people that had not turned in their picks it was marsh and it was rafe from the point i was gonna say on air hey marsh 
don't forget to turn in your pick. But who knows? Some of the Rizzuto show might be listening. Maybe Rafe is Give listening. Them a reminder. Exactly. So I didn't, Dan. But as soon as we got off air, I said, Marshy, let's get that pick in, kid. And then guys, I looked at Rafe is, Rafe's picks, and his was in. I'm like, I know Marsh got his. Nope, he didn't. And these are straight-up picks. This is not against the spread. No, this is just wins mm-hmm. wins and losses here. Marshy, Marshy, Marshy. I got to be better. So we're uh, we're trailing. We're trailing after uh, after one. It's all right. I'll pick you it Can't back forget up. a pick, bro. Dan, you just I know. Can't. Hey, we'll put it behind us now. Okay? I'm not even worried about it. We'll put it behind we're us. We're going to win. You've been good of late, Marsh. But um, I like how you looked at that, though, Anthony. It's a wash. It's a wash. He bailed you out on Thanksgiving, and uh, last night was just one of those moments where you forget. Right. So we'll move forward here. Mm. All right. Shohei Otani. Where do you want him? Is it best that he goes to the West Coast? And when I say best, I mean best for baseball. Best would be here in the Midwest, right? Uh, Of course it would. With the Cardinals. But from a baseball standpoint, is it better that he stays on the West Coast? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergrain, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, Anthony Stalter, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Would Shohei Otani, uh, w- would it be better for baseball, Dan, if Shohei Otani? was not on the West Coast with the Dodgers. It's got to be with the Dodgers. So if he's going to be on the West Coast... It's got to be L.A. It's got to be, and not the Angels. It's got to be the Dodgers, the iconic franchise that is the L.A. Dodgers. Now, we're talking about in the parameters of what is best for baseball. We talk about this all the time. Baseball does not do a great job in marketing their major stars. Mm -hmm. Mike Trout, 1A, or example number one. Maybe Otani, 1A. In the fact that you're not showing the great talents that these players have, there there is never in a time that I've been around the game, and I, I'm you know 25 years or whatever doing the games, in uh, seeing more talent that was on the field mm-hmm. in terms of athletes. I mean, there's some great athletes that are playing the game of baseball now. Part of it is 162 game season. You know, when can you get in the 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 time to market some of these players? The commercials are leaning towards football players, basketball players. I get all that. But if it's best for baseball, there's some markets that would be, I think, beneficial to the game in no particular order. Chicago Cubs, New York Yankees, get them on iconic franchises, New York Mets. The Phillies look to be very good here for a while. What about Boston? Boston's another one for sure. 
you know, you get them to those major market franchises and the, the, they're going to pick up those teams to play on national television. They'll be the game of the week. Mm-hmm. So the casual fan flipping through, they're like, oh, Otani's pitching tonight. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. How many times have you seen Shohei Otani pitch? I oh, hardly, not, Yeah, not much. I've hardly seen him pitch. Right. Now, if I know that he's going to go that night, I will. I have the Major League Baseball package. I'll flip to that game mm-hmm. late at night to watch him. But I, I'm an outlier. You know, and the games on the West Coast are so late going to the East Coast, the Midwest, it's not till 10 o'clock. You're not going to stay up to watch it. Yeah. I've seen him plenty hit because I see the highlights. I've hardly ever seen him pitch. This is where football has another distinct advantage because they're it's not West, regional. Exactly. They're West Coast games, you know, like when the 49ers are good or when the, the Seahawks have been good or name your West Coast team, when they've been good. They play at 4 o'clock yeah. Eastern. They play at 3 o'clock Central time. You don't have to worry about the time zone difference. It's just they, they know on the West Coast, if their favorite team is playing in the Midwest or East, they're going to have to wake up a little early because they're going to be the early game. And, like, they adjust. But if it's baseball, if it's basketball, if it's hockey. It's at night. It's at night. It's a 10 o'clock game Eastern, 9 yeah. o'clock here. I mean, that, 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 is, that is yet another advantage that the, the NFL has over – all the other major sports, and even college football for that matter. I mean, how many Oregon games you check out this year? They've been fantastic. I've been trying to think of the players that I'd want to watch on the West Coast, and Trout, Otani, Mookie Betts would be another one. Yep. You know, I want to see him play. Sure. And I knew more about him, I felt like, when he was a member of the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. You know, his game would come on an hour before the Cardinals. You're sitting there watching all the different games that are on the East Coast. How about Julio Rodriguez? The kid is unbelievable. It's another one, and no one knows who he is outside of the All Star game. Yes, when he had the home, you know, the, the two years ago when he was a rookie, or last year when he was a rookie, and he, he participated in the home run derby, and everybody's like, who? baseball fans knew who he was, Mariners fans knew who he was, but but the casual baseball fans, are like, who the hell is this? I think the other thing that you have to look at too, and this is talking about being in person, is that there needs to be earlier start times for games. Yeah. Because if you look at it, kids are still in school in March, April, some are going through May. And so that's two and a half, three months that they're they're not going to go to the ballpark because they have school the next day. Mm-hmm. Games at 7, 7, 15. Well, mom and dad are saying, well, we can wait till the summer months when nothing's going on that next morning. They sure. can sleep in or whatever they're going to do. There's no school. And then you hit late August, September, they're back in school. Mm-hmm. I would look at earlier start times. I know the Cardinals have done that to an extent, but I would make that mandatory across the board so that I get my young fans in the ballpark so that they have a chance to see these players. Would you Would you do your universal days off like on a Monday? Like the KBO does? It's a good point. I've thought about it. It's a great question. The league's off on Monday. I think, though, if you're the league, you're saying, we want to stay in the conscience of the sports fan every single day when we tee this thing up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We got so many teams, and travel, I think, would be difficult at times to do that, to line it up. Because if you if you had days off, what do you do with rain delays, snow yeah, delays? True. You know, And I thought they were going to have more of a problem this year with that when they decided to make it where you play everybody. I thought it could be tough if you had a rain out. And sometimes you have no other choice, and you're in Game 3 of that series, and it's not going to stop raining for two days. And you got to be in another city the next day. Yeah. I thought they'd run into problems with that, trying to then line it up later in the season to find a mutual off day to do it. And then you have the Players Association 
Now, the players, I bet, would be for it, but the Players Association then gets, I think it's every 21 days or 18 days or something like that, there has to be a day off. And if you allow them or if you want them to play in a game, they have to go through the Players Association to get the approval from the players themselves to say, we'll extend the amount of games we're playing in a row to make sure that we get this game in. Sure. So I, I think there's some legitimacy with it, but I think that Major League Baseball wants to have something out there every single day to make sure that they're at least in the conscience of the sports fan. It makes it makes sense. I yep. just I just wonder if there's there's a way that they can outside of and this will never happen because of the gate revenue and the TV revenue that they're they're generating outside of shortening the season, which I think a lot of fans would be okay with, but the owners wouldn't be okay no. with that. So 154 to 162, you're talking about a lot of gate money, some TV money. Right. Where do you think Otani winds up? Do you think it has to be on a major market team? I've I have I've always said the Dodgers. I thought the Dodgers were going to trade for him last year, but then of course the Angels decided to make that kind of fake run there, and, and then he gets hurt Gilles, and all the other yeah. things. I I had said I'd always said the Dodgers. I think as as it as much as it pains me to say, I think the sleeper is the Cubs. I do too. Yeah, I, I do too. Because the Cubs are going to make a big. The Dodgers are going to make a big. There's three teams that I think are going to make a big move, and for different reasons. The Cubs, I think, are going to make a big move because the stars are seemingly aligning that they're they're going to kind of push. They're going to start making a push. Right? Uh, to me, with the Cubs, when you give Council forty million dollars to your manager, yeah. you're thinking along exactly. the lines that you're thinking. We're on the cusp of doing something special here, right? So they're gonna they're gonna ramp it up. The other team. The obvious one is the Dodgers, because if you go back to last offseason, they didn't do anything, really. They made a bunch of smaller moves, still won a bunch of games, but that that roster on paper, top-heavy, certainly, but the roster, if, if you get you know the mid and then the, the, the lower end of the roster, not great. Dodgers are going to make a move because they, they seemingly was kind of penny-pinching a year ago. The other team that I think is going to make some big splash, I don't know what it's going to be, but they've been trying to give their money away now for three years. It's the San Giants. Francisco, yeah. They tried to get Aaron Judge last year. He went back to New York. They had Correa until the, you know, the press conference lined up and they, they got the, the the medicals back and they said, nope, can't do this. So they've been trying to give their money away since Posey retired and they cleared off a lot of those like Brandon Belts and Cueto and some of those other deals, some Arja. That that's a that's a bigger market team that has not been spending not not because they haven't been trying just because they haven't landed that guy yet. Most years, I would say the Yankees for sure. I would say okay, he's going to New York. He's going to be a Yankee. Otani winds up there. They'll pay him the most money. The Yankees though have so much money wrapped up into Garrett Cole, Stanton, Judge. Uh, Judge. It's like ridiculous amount of their payroll. It's it's well above. I think 45% of their payroll wrapped up into three or four guys. Yeah. And Hal Steinbrenner has said he doesn't want to go over $300 million. He believes you can win if you're you know, below or right at it. Um, but in most years, I would have said he's a, he's a New York Yankee. Right. They've been trying to, outside of those guys, go go a little bit younger. Yep. You know, they had uh, Anthony Volpe, the yes. shortstop. They brought him up and let him play all year. They've been trying to go with the younger guys. And that Yankees team, they got some young talents. I forget the outfielder's name that came up, and then eventually he got hurt, too. I think he tore his ACL. But remember, he had a bunch of home runs. Yes. Anyways, they're trying to go younger and then have the top-heavy guys, but they've been decimated by injuries. Yes, That's they have. That's been a problem the last couple of years. This is a huge week in college football, and the big question that everybody's asking is, what if Bama beats Georgia? We'll get into that conversation next and include whether or not Dan thinks that Bama's going to beat Georgia. Then what happens to Georgia? Next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The conference championship games kick off tonight. If you're, uh, what is it, the Mountain West? Is it Mountain West? Mountain West. You got a big one, though. No, it's Conference USA, excuse me. So it's Conference USA tonight at 6, local time. And then, of course, the Pac-12 championship. That's a big one. Which is always on Friday. And I love it. I love that the Pac-12 always kind of kicks things off. It's typically a good game. I'm not saying it's... um, it's ever it's 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 always close. We've seen some blowouts, but I like that the Pac-12 kicks off the conference championships. I think you may see some blowouts this weekend. I think so too. I think you might see Oregon blow out Washington tonight. I, I agree. I mean, Washington barely barely held on to that game uh, last week, and in the second right. half, they couldn't move the ball. Dan, if you go back to the Oregon win and yep. then work work forward, They're going the wrong way. Arizona State should have beat them in Washington. Stanford scored 33 on them. I don't know if Stanford scored 33 in multiple, like in three weeks combined against opponents this year, let alone one game. They beat USC 52-42. to That was back and forth. Okay, no sweat there. They held on against Utah. They held on against Oregon State. And then they held on to Washington State in the Apple Cup last week. Yeah. I'm not saying those are outside of Stanford. Those aren't quality wins and against quality opponents. But Washington has been walking that tightrope, and I don't think that Michael Penix Jr. has looked as wagon-esque as he did in the first half. Like, he was a wagon. That team was a wagon. You just hop on, right? Like, they're they're rolling. I think Oregon blasts them tonight. I do, too. I think I, they win by 10-plus. It's interesting. I mean, eight teams have a shot right now at the college football playoff. You got Georgia. Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Then you have Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama. Right. And you you pose the question, what happens when Georgia and Alabama get together? Yeah. And here's what's really interesting. If Alabama wins, it throws everything out of whack, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And it could happen. I don't think it will, but it could happen. Yeah. An SEC team not being in the Final Four. It's not going to happen. I, I don't see Georgia dropping as far as four I and their schedule proves that out their resume proves that out and if it happened earlier in the season where they would have a loss and then are on the cusp of doing this it wouldn't be a two-loss team but then they beat Alabama I still think they get in with one loss because of what they've done and I it's look it's human nature with what they've done the last two years back-to-back national titles what 29 wins in a row inside the conference it's insane it's tough to keep them out and Dan, uh, we got a text from the 314. If the committee does not let a one-loss Georgia in, then they are saying the timing of this loss matters more. They would be putting extra weight on this week as opposed to a week during the regular se- or yeah, during the regular right. schedule. And I mean, what are we going to like make a team suffer because they're in a title game? Like right. they're playing an extra game that these other teams didn't? Yeah. Against- and it, Texas against a top ten team. If Alabama gets in, what is Texas doing? That's the tr- that's the tough part because if you're the committee, that's what you don't want to see. That's if you're right. the committee, you're almost hoping 
for Georgia to win or for a miraculous Oklahoma State upset against Texas in the Big 12 championship. That's right. Because if Texas and Bama both win this weekend. How do you keep Texas out? How do you keep Texas out? Because they beat Alabama. So Alabama, or yeah, uh, let's see here. Washington has four top 25 wins. And I bring this up because I feel like this is where the committee really focuses in on. One of those was Utah, correct? Yes. And they just dropped out of the top 25. Does that play a role in what's happening now? It's at the time. It's at the time. Right. Because you think about it. Would you do you lessen do you lessen a team's win over a top twenty five opponent after after the fact? Yeah. What if what if a Florida State? What if they lost Jordan Travis? That's right. Much earlier in the season. Okay. And 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 let's say LSU beat Florida State, and that was one of their big top twenty five wins. And then Jordan Travis gets hurt the following week, and they're not in the top twenty five the rest of the season. That was still a quality win at the time. So I think you have to account for who they beat at the time, not looking back like we tend to do, and oh, how good does that win look now? You have to factor in that that team also lost. Their season has been decimated, but they were still ranked at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I looked at this. Georgia has four top 25 wins. Washington, four top 25 wins. Alabama has the, the loss to Texas, but they got Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU, that's three, but they would have four if they were to beat Georgia, okay? Texas is the other team that you have to consider because Texas has the lone loss to Oklahoma, but they beat Alabama, Kansas, who was ranked at the time, Kansas State, and a win over Oklahoma State would give them four. That's that's where the trouble begins. Yes. So if Bama beats Georgia, Dan... And even if Washington loses tonight, Bama, Washington, Georgia, and Texas would all have the same number of top 25 wins. That's where the problem, that's where the problem exists. I don't think I don't think that Alabama wins though. You got to help me out on something. Mike Gundy is the Big 12 coach of the year for Oklahoma State? Really? Yeah. He gets coach of the year and he had two awful losses most recently within the last three weeks, was UCF, UCF. And they got blown out. Now, how do you not give that to Steve Sarkeesian, who beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa and has their team on the cusp of uh, going in the Final Four? What about Mike Norvell, who who did what he did at Florida State? The team's unbeaten this year. That's the other one. Beat uh, beat LSU, lost his QB, still still beat, you know, Florida's not good, but, you know, they beat Florida last week. In the swamp. If they beat Louisville in the ACC title, how would you not give it to Norville? I, I disagree with you to a point. I think the Florida game was a good win for them. I know Florida is down, but any as we saw last weekend, these rivalry games yeah. are different than other games throughout the season. Plus they just backup are. QB. And you had a backup QB. You had to have a couple series with a true freshman. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good win. That was. I, I agree. I agree with that. I think what you and I can mostly agree with, though, is that Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy should Mike Gundy should not win coach of the year. <laughs> I, just, I, was, you, I saw that. I'm like, what? Dan, you, you talk about the UCF loss. That was 45-3. to three. As our guy Jamie Rivers would say, Oklahoma State finished third in that <laughs> right. game. Right. They also have losses to South Alabama, 33-7. to seven. And at Iowa State, thirty-four to twenty-seven. Now I know Iowa State has been good-ish in the past. They're not great this year. That's three ugly losses. UCF is a good opponent, 
But when you lose 45-3, to it qualifies as, a, as an ugly loss. I mean, come on. I can't keep Florida State out of the top four, by the way. I if know they that win, they're in. If, they're, if they win, they're in, man. Yep. Uh, and it's just, it is what it is. And I know that Louisville is a team that they should beat, even with a backup QB, which they may have for sure one, if not two, could mm-hmm. be their third string guy. If they win with their third string quarterback, I think it makes it even more impressive. Both things are true, Dan. Both things are true. If if Florida State wins, they should be in. Yes. They're also not one of the top four teams in the nation, which is what people have been arguing. I agree with it. If you're screaming right now that Florida State's not one of the top four teams in the nation, understand that I agree with you. But you still have to play the regular season out. Yep. The, this is where the regular season matters. You can't say not to expand the playoffs because the regular season will have less meaning and then keep Florida State out. Because that would suggest the same thing, that the regular season doesn't matter. You lost your QBs, I'm sorry, you're done. No, you have to account for what they did. If they're unbeaten with a conference title on their on their resume, they're in. The committee is instructed to judge the team as it is entering the postseason. So if you were just looking at it that way and you said, well, they got a third-string quarterback and you know, he's a true freshman and is only taken – let's say, eight snaps, whatever the case may be. He got in the week before. He took some snaps for Florida State prior to the game in the swamp. Um, You'd probably have to say they don't deserve to be in. But I would counter that and just say you're undefeated, and you can't keep that team out. It's it's that simple. Undefeated with three, if they beat Louisville, three Top twenty-five wins. I was thinking so. about the Mike Gundy situation. I I was thinking, you know, are what? you confused? Maybe is no. that what it is? You know what? It's a shot at Texas, Texas, Oklahoma going the SEC. You know what I mean? And you're saying, all oh, right, is, is he the Big Twelve? The Big Twelve. That okay? That makes more sense. So that to me is why. Okay, that makes sense. You're saying, oh, you want to leave? No problem. You're That's not why get you brought up Sark. The year. Yes. Okay, now I get it. I thought you were talking about like the national. Oh coach no, of no, the no, no. Okay, that no, that's that's absolutely a shot at Texas and Oklahoma. I'm like, really? Yeah, that okay. Come that on. makes more sense. I got it. Yeah. All right. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, Anthony Stalter. Appreciate everybody tuned in today. If you want to participate in the show, 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. Uh we'll continue to talk. We're gonna do a lot of football today. We're gonna do a lot of college football uh throughout. You know, we'll we'll of course sprinkle in some uh, Blues and some Cardinals, including, you know, Jake Neighbors is having himself a breakout year for the Blues. Who could be the breakout player for the Cardinals this season? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jake Neighbors is having himself a breakout season. Oh, yeah. Seven goals in his last seven games for Jake Neighbors. He's uh, he's already recorded not only season highs, but career highs thus far. He's a young player in goals and points. So he's been outstanding. If we were to expand the conversation, Dan, and say, okay, if Jake Neighbors in the midst of a breakout season, he's the, the Blues breakout guy, who could be the car, the guy for the Cardinals? Who's, the break, who's your one... Before we get into like the multiple, because I know there could be multiple, yeah. just pick one for now, and then we'll 
We'll go shotgun. Give me Brendan Donovan. Brendan Donovan? Give me Brendan Donovan. Interesting. Here, here's why I say that. I could see a scenario in which Tommy Edmond is your everyday center fielder, which then opens up the spot for Brendan Donovan to play second base. I got Gorman primarily as a DH, and so Brendan Donovan becomes an everyday player, which I think he is. I think he gives you a hell of an at-bat, and he is a baseball player, and he is loved by his teammates, and he's loved by his manager. And they're going to try to get him in there as much as he can and as much as physically with his arm and everything that's gone on. Uh, I would assume he would be 100% by the time opening day rolls around. Brendan Donovan would be my breakout player of the of the season. I'm going to go with the guy I, th- I think it needs to be, and I'm going to go with an obvious choice. But I, I again, Let me guess. Go ahead. Mason Wynn. No. Be nice if you got if you got you know he hit under 200 this year. If you give him let's say 450 500 at bats, yeah, it'd be fascinating which to I, see what he can do. Which I hope they do. Yeah. All since right. We're, since we're on the no, since we're on the, the topic real quick of Mason Wynn, I hope they bet him ninth, Dan. I hope I hope he gets 500 something abs, and I, I I hope he plays out, outstanding shortstop. Let me give you another guess. Jordan Walker. I think it's got to be Jordan Walker. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's got to be Jordan Walker from the standpoint of, like, who else would it be? Because I think Donovan's interesting, and I know there's some other interesting candidates. But I think it has to be for the Cardinals, to, to their breakout guy to be Jordan Walker. Yep. Now, a year ago, he had 116 WRC+. plus, So it's not like he – I mean, he had a, an above average year last year. If you're somebody that says, oh, Jordan Walker didn't really impress me much last year. Again, 116 WRC+, plus, That's win, that, that is uh, weighted runs created – it's a metric, basically, if you're just going to boil it down. How, what do you do to create runs for your team? Right. That's, 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 that's essentially what yeah. it is. The average is 100. 100. Yep. So you're an average player at 100. An average is not bad. It's just You're just average. Okay. Average is 100. He had a 116. So Jordan Walker was 16 percentage points better than average last year. But I think he's got more pop than the 16 home runs that he had. I think that, you know, 267 average is pretty good for somebody that's got power. On base, 342, slug, 445. We get those numbers up, especially the power numbers. you gotta, you got to take in the fact that he's probably going to strike out a little bit more, too. That's just It comes with the home runs. But if he can if he can be a 25 home run hitter. Which I think that's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. 25 plus. Now we're talking about a breakout candidate. And you're coming off your rookie year. You're so young, and everything is just fast. And you're playing out of position. You're trying to learn defense. Yeah. It's just the game, it, it will humble you, which is so cliche, but man, it's true. And the game, when you're that young, will come at you really fast to where you're just trying to catch your breath. And the defense is quick. The players are quick. The fastballs are quick. Everything's just fast. And you're just trying to slow it down a little bit. Year two, okay, got my feet under me a little bit. You know, I've kind of got the the travel down. I I understand what a 162 is like. Yep. It just you settle in, and all of a sudden you you realize, okay, this is what it takes. Not to say that he didn't understand that before, but when you go through it, it's a different story. As opposed to just saying it, that makes a huge difference. There's no yes, repl- there's no replacement for reps. No. Go ahead, Marsh. Anthony, you said Jordan Walker as your player. Jake Neighbors, although a first-round pick, I don't know if I'd compare Jake Neighbors in terms of the type of prospect he was mm-hmm. to Jordan Walker. Is there a player on the Cardinals right now that would compare a little bit more to uh, to, Jake, to Neighbors Jake Neighbors that could have that breakout 
season. That that would probably be Mason Wynn then, because Mason Wynn was what a second round pick. And so. you're going from neighbors starting on the fourth line to now being on the top line. Yeah. So and expect for me, expectations for Mason Wynn aren't really high in the first full season of a major league season. Like I right. expect him to be very good defensively. Defense, I think he's fine. We're talking about offensive production, and that's usually when you're saying that's where the breakout comes. That's why I brought up Donovan. I know he's Mm -hmm. a really good defensive player, and you can play in multiple positions, and he's going to play them probably above average. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at him getting a full season of at-bats if he's an everyday player, and watch what he does. Watch the on-base percentage. Watch how tough an at-bat he'll give the opposition. Mm -hmm. He grinds it, man, and he'll he'll be a hell of a player. Could it be... Zach Thompson or Matthew Libertor? So I thought about. I don't think it's going to be Libertor. I just haven't seen enough to to believe. You know, okay, so he had the he had the one start against the Brewers. Milwaukee couldn't hit lefties, and he had the one start against Tampa. The the one against Tampa, that one. Not that the Milwaukee start wasn't impressive, but the one against Tampa, you're like, whoa! I didn't. I did not see that coming. I thought he was going to get drilled. So. That that alone, okay. But I didn't see enough out of Libertor to, to give me no. to give me hope that he's going to have a breakout year. I did look at Zach Thompson, but I don't think that he generates enough strikeouts where I would consider him to be this this breakout candidate. Man, the Cardinals don't have swing and miss. They don't have any swing and miss. Now maybe they what Lance Lynn now. Yeah, they get it in the back end of their bullpen. And Sonny Gray, I guess. Too. You know, you get at this point. The way that you look at it is that Helsley's the guy, if you can get it to him, if you can get it to that point, Helsley's the guy that has swing and miss. I I find it fascinating how many people that I talk to are going crazy about the starting rotation, and I tell them, have you looked at the bullpen? Have you looked at just how historically bad that that was a year ago? I mean, you got to do some with the bullpen. I know this conversation started with a breakout. Now I'm taking it to a bullpen. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know... Starters last year, Anthony, averaged five and a third in Major League Baseball. So that was it. And I know there's some that feel like, well, you got to have that stud at the top of the rotation to compete when you go into postseason play. And, yeah, I mean, that's true. I I would love to see a guy go deeper into games. There were 34 postseason games in which there were six in which they went seven innings. Yeah. That was going into the World Series. What's it tell you? Guys don't go deep in the game. So you're going to have to make your bullpen a priority, and I I think they will. And there's a lot of ways you can get creative. I think at the winter meetings, they're going to be a really active team, whether it's free agency or trades. And that's coming up. I mean, that's next week. So, um, But I just look at the bullpen. When you have 41 leads lost and you blew 28 saves, and it was historically bad towards the end of the season, you have to look at your bullpen as much as you're looking at signing some of the guys that you've already signed. I, I wouldn't mind, a, you know, like a Joe Kelly. That'd be great. Yeah. But I think, Dan, that maybe this is this is part, part me guessing, part me looking at the situation and being okay with it. I wonder if the internal options go to the pen. They, some the, of them the, will. The Cardinals have had, Dan, I don't have to tell you this, but the Cardinals have had success starting – Guys in the bullpen first. Adam Wainwright's the clear one. But Lance Lynn started off in the pen before making his way. He was really good. Uh, Walker was an exception because when Walker came up, he just, you know, he was really good right away. Was Shelby Miller, you would know this better than I would. Did Shelby Miller start off in the pen and then work his way in? He was more of a starter. Okay. Yeah. they've, They've had guys before that have done it this way. So... Start if 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 their internal options start off in the pen and then work their way into the rotation, I think that's a natural progression 
for a lot of these young guys, as opposed to just saying, boom, you're you're a starter now, please catch lightning in a bottle, which is what they were trying to do a year ago. Let me give you some names of bullpen guys that I've been thinking about. Hector Neris, Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, Aroldis Chapman. Uh, you had a long time ago, you had Adam Ottavino, Robert yeah. Stevenson, 77 strikeouts in 52 and a third innings, uh, 52 and a third inning. Um, you know, I, I just think that... Uh, you got to look more at the bullpen and throwing some money at it. Now, trades can help because they have assets that they can deal if they'd like to do that. But I also think that you have to look at uh, the bullpen. I I just don't think it's gotten enough attention. Uh, I really don't. I'm with you on that. Now that they've, they've, they haven't solved anything, but now that they've at least thrown numbers at the rotation. Yeah. Perhaps we'll move to the pen. All right, Dan, 49ers and Eagles. Are we seeing an NFC title game, uh, Obviously, it's a rematch, but we're also getting a preview for this year too. So you don't have Dallas in there. Well, I'm just I'm asking you. Okay, are we about to see an NFC title game preview? And who do you got? Niners Eagles. It's the game of the week. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Eagles game of the week might be the game of the year when it's all said and done 49ers if you're uh, out in Vegas two and a half they're laying two and a half or with your our partner show partners fan duel can I tell you that I'm looking forward to another game very quickly just on, on the NFL slate yeah oh let me let me see here there's another game that I really like that I think is going to be fun to watch um, a team that's red hot right now Coming out of nowhere. Oh, uh, Broncos and Texans. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a good one. I kind of like that game, do you too. Think, do you think that is, since you brought this one up, do you think that is an AFC wild card yes. elimination game? Yeah, absolutely. Because a loser would be 6-6. Six and six and Yeah. The thing that's hooked me in, though, and brought me in is C.J. Stroud and the fact that the head coach of the Denver Broncos is somebody I kind of like. I like Sean Payton a lot. You know, always, I always have. He's kind of a villain for some, and and the other thing is, man, he's proven a lot of people wrong right now. Mm-hmm. His defense is playing great. He's gotten Russell Wilson to play good football, mm-hmm. and a lot of people thought he was washed up. He's not. Yeah. He's playing the system that is what Sean Payton wants to play, and C.J. Stroud makes me want to watch him play. Yeah. He's so much fun to watch. It's crazy, too, because he's making some of those other players, like Tank Dell's a rookie. Yes. Tank Dell's exciting to watch now. Because yes. One, he's a good player, but two, because of C.J. Stroud. But like Nico Collins and Noah Brown and these guys, I mean, it's it's amazing that C.J. Stroud, this is what good quarterbacks do, though. They elevate the talent around them. I tape these games and I go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Some I shuttle through a little bit more, but I find myself with the Texans watching every snap that he takes yeah. just to see him do something special. He's fun. He is fun to watch. The other fun guys, obviously, are Jalen Hurts and everybody that the Niners have from yes. a skill, skill standpoint. Dan, I think this is a really bad spot for Philly. I well, think it's the a Niners really bad spot. are healthy, mm-hmm. and Brock Purdy is, is playing, which he, he did not in the NFC Championship a year ago. Right. <laughs> he did, it, with, just without it, an arm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should say His arm was half, half falling that's off. That's what I'm trying to not say. Not to make light tonight, too, but you're right. I mean, he's basically, he basically wasn't, wasn't right. there. But, Dan, I think that this is a bad spot for Philly because they essentially played an extra quarter yep. last week. 
and they were gassed. Physical, they were gassed. I, I I assume that they they didn't practice much this week. I think that Philly has been you know they they, they should have lost to Kansas City as you know. I mean the, the the Chiefs whether you look at the Mahomes interception in the red zone, uh, literally in the end zone, Travis Kelsey's fumble in the red zone, or the obvious in Marquez Valdez Scantling dropping a touchdown pass. The Chiefs should have beat the Eagles. The Bills should have beat the Eagles. The 49ers are going to beat the Eagles this this weekend. What did you think when the Eagles hit that field goal? They send it to OT against Buffalo. The camera goes on Jalen Hurts. I loved it. Emotionless. Did you see see Jason Kelsey too? Emotionless. It was the same response, which is like, they're almost ticked off that it had to come to that. Exactly. Let's go to work. You're right. I loved it. It reminded me of Bennington. When Pat Maroon scored the Game 7 goal against Dallas, and they had the overhead shot of Bennington, and and he just skated off the yeah. ice like, all right, cool, we're yep. good. I agree. There's, there's still work to be done. I was expecting, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't, should I expect the, the, the QB of a team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl to go nuts and has been there before? Right. Do I, should I expect that? I don't know. It's a 59-yard kick in a driving <laughs> rainstorm, though. I mean, you got to <laughs> show something, right? It was nothing. He didn't. Yes, Marshy, he didn't do anything. I kind of liked it, though. Well, you mentioned the, the, ra- the rainstorm. It's supposed to rain again. I'm looking at the, the temperatures, 59. There is a 75% chance of rain. Two um, percent chance of thunderstorms and wind gust of eleven miles per hour. How do you think that plays against the 49ers and what they have going on with their offense? Can they, they can run the football that? though. That's the key. The 49ers, and, the, and I would even say, guys, that the 49ers need to run the football because I've I've brought this up before. The 49ers need to play with a lead. If they don't, then the play action goes out the window, and that's their that's their offense. So they need to run the football. They've got Christian McCaffrey. They got Debo Samuel that can run. You know he's taking plays out. He's taking uh, runs out of the backfield. They got a couple other backup. You know running backs that that are that are are serviceable. The 49ers need to run the ball, and the Eagles have run the ball effectively with Hertz and Swift and Gainwell. They've got a stable of backs too. And when you have to defend, they run a six back offense. You have to defend the quarterback as if he was a running back. So I don't think the the weather is a factor for this matchup specifically. Were you surprised that the Niners were three-point favorites? Yes. yes. I was too. But I also think that tells us something, right? So Vegas is telling that... That the Eagles are tired and beat up. I, and I wonder, Dan, so what they're, what they're saying, though, is and that... San Francisco is healthy. So anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. What are they telling if us? If they were in San Francisco, what they're, what they're saying is that the 49ers would be about a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Five, five-and-a-half. Yeah. That's a significant number. I mean, if I if I were to tell you you're going to get five and a half of the Eagles, you'd probably take it, right? Yeah. Regardless of if it's in San Francisco or tight neutral, game, neutral sure field, they right? cover. Yeah, but that that I think is the the most interesting aspect. It's two and a half, three points for for home field advantage, and the Fort Niners are favored by two and a half. But yes, I, I was surprised by so that. So earlier this morning it was plus three. Now it's gone to two and a half. What does that tell you there? I think I think if it gets up to three, so you got to remember the guys that know what they're doing. On on this stuff, my friends, your friends, yeah, they 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 play the numbers. They I do, do you not, know. I just give a little advice, just to a my little. Friends. You sprinkle advice, absolutely. Yeah, I know you, Dan. <laughs> but the guys that do this for a living, they 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 play the numbers. They don't play. They don't play teams. No, they don't, they don't care about the teams to some to some regard. So I think what that tells us is, as soon as it gets up to three, they're grabbing the three, and then the books are dropping it back down to two and a half. So when the Eagles are plus three, I thought push on the line and the Niners get a win. 
That's I, what I thought. I think that's three I point think that's game. accurate. But I do wonder in the fourth quarter, Dan, what you're talking about with this Eagles defense being being beat up, yep. being being exa- exhausted. I I think it in the fourth quarter. I think it's close, and then the fourth quarter, the Niners pull away. I think also the schedule plays a part in what they've done. You know, look at the last two weeks with the Eagles and what they've had. They had Kansas City in the Monday night game. On the road. On the road. And then Buffalo at home. Tough game. Buffalo starting to figure some things out. Yep. Very tough game. And, uh, and they got Dallas on deck, too. And they have Dallas on deck. Not that, so they're gonna overlook, not that they're going to overlook the Niners, but that is something you you, you kind of factor in, too. Yes. you got Dallas on the road next week. So this is going to be... This is gonna be fun this weekend. Aren't I'm these games so much fun, man? A lot of them are. A lot of them come down to the wire. Uh, quarterback plays down. Offenses are down. But these games are close. Like the NFL, I want to hate them, and I did for a while mm-hmm. with what happened here. But man, it just draws me back in every weekend. I I'm mean, watching. I don't. I, I. I've. I've never loved the business aspect of it. Exactly. I just. I love the game and the game. The product. You know, despite what Tom Brady says. Yeah. The, the, the product is at the very least it's close. I mean, you're, exactly. you're watching tight games. And if you have the red zone channel on, it's like, you know. One possession, two possession exactly. every game. You're, and they're flipping through and it's like, yes. I can't wait till they get to the next one because it's probably going to be a game on the line situation. And you're talking to your friends. You're helping out your you're friends helping, in those sprinkling, situations. sprinkling information out. That's, what, that's what, what I'm trying to do. do. Yep. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Salter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Uh Again, if you want to be a part of the show, we appreciate it. 314-399-9646, or you can always leave us a mic drop. We've got our NFL Week 13 Pick'em Challenge picks coming up. We've got uh, Pass or Play. Marsh is going to throw out some lines for the college football championship games at some point. But I want to ask you guys this, and, and this is perfect for the Texters too. Who are the four teams you want to see in the college football playoffs? Forget the debates and all that stuff. Just... The four teams you want to see for the college football playoff. I don't think we're going to hear a lot of Florida States. That's no. next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So for the, forget the debates for a second and how, you know, what happens if Bama beats Georgia and what happens if this you know, Florida State wins. Just give me what you want to see. What do you want to see, man? Four teams. It's up to you. How do you want to see your four teams in the college football play? Before we do, though, we got a text from Thanks Dad. Uh, Thanks Dad. <laughs> no, I said Dad. Thanks, Dad. Uh, he's got his four. He's got his four. Now, I don't think this is possible. In fact, I know it's not, Dan, but I think it's fu- it's a funny text on the way, uh, nonetheless. And when I ask people to participate in Thanks, Dad does, I want to give a shout-out. Yeah, you can do anything you want. He wants to see Mizzou, Illinois, Missouri State, and Lindenwood. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, a local, a local flavor. Yeah. For All on Dad. national TV, and the, I'm sure the uh, college fan and most football fans will be glued to their TV to see that happen. Yeah. All right, Dan. Now, you kind of teased us in the commercial break. Yeah. Because you said, I've got my four, but I don't think it's going to happen. And that no. last part was the most interesting part. So, I think the first one four? could happen. I've got, uh, so one would be Georgia. Okay. Four would be Oregon. So, UGA versus Oregon. Yep. Three and four. I don't care how you want to do it, but three would be Michigan. Okay. Or uh, two and three, I should say. And three would be Ohio State. I want a rematch between those two. Okay. I just want to see the rematch. All right. 
Yeah, oh, you're down on that. You yeah. don't like it. Mm. I don't like Ohio State. And you don't like it either, Marshy. No, no. I, I think Ohio you State. You guys said it's terrible. It, it's what I want to no, see. Yeah, listen, Dan. This is this is a judgment free zone. Mm. I just if you're asking me if I like Michigan Ohio State again, no. I saw it. Mm. Ohio State's not good enough. Okay. I just don't. I like get it. it. Yeah. I just would like to see it again. I thought it was a highly entertaining game. Fox had the uh, the highest rated college football game in years. Did they? Yeah. And I'd I'd want to see it. I'd want to see it on a neutral floor, so to speak neutral field mm-hmm. and i like them in basketball too but this is talking about the final four <laughs> so i'll go michigan again against uh, ohio state part two all right what do you got and that's not going to happen uh, no i told you it's not going to happen <laughs> yeah no i think ohio state is out I, I totally agree yeah they they needed a win out uh you'd have to have all these favorites lose right and even then it, it it's a crapshoot ohio state with one loss do you take Ohio State with one loss, or Bama with one loss, or or Texas. Washington with one loss, or Georgia. Texas with one. Exactly. I, yeah, no. they're out. Yep. Uh, and and a lot of people were like, "Well, why did they only drop the six? It doesn't matter. They're not playing this weekend. They're yeah. going to get surpassed." They're, so they're again, out. this is who I want to I see. Know, Dan, I, again, there's no judgment here. All right, all right, Marsh, you want me to go? or You want to go? I'll go real quick. Go for uh, it. Georgia versus Texas. I want to see that, and I want to see Michigan versus Oregon. So that's mine. Wait a minute, give me those again. Georgia going okay. up against Texas. Texas would be the four seed. Georgia number one. Michigan at two going up against Oregon at number three. It's got yeah. a shot. That'd be mine. Long I th- shot, but for the Longhorns, I actually, potentially. I actually think that's the surprise. That's what happens this weekend. And here's here's how it happens. Are you ready, Dan? There are so many different ways that things can happen, but I'm ready for this one. Give it to me. Oregon beats Washington tonight in the Pac-12 title game. Got it. All right. Texas beats Oklahoma State tomorrow in the Big 12 championship. Okay. Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game. Alabama would have two losses. They're out. They're out. Michigan beats Iowa and Louisville with a small upset over Florida State. Florida State with only one loss, but their resume doesn't stack up. That's an easy one. But they're out. They go. So now it's a debate between... A one-loss Texas team or a one-loss Washington team. Washington would have four wins over ranked opponents. Texas would have four wins over ranked opponents. Texas lost Oklahoma. Washington would have lost to Oregon in my scenario. The difference? Texas would have a conference championship and Washington would not. I think the difference, too, would be a win at Tuscaloosa. Absolutely. For Texas. So I got Texas earning that fourth spot. I think the debate, again, would be Texas and Washington, but there's a clear divider there, and I would have Texas. Aren't you happy that this is the last year we have to talk about this? Yes. And for the most part, it's, I think, 10 years this season that you they've said done that this? earlier, boy. That surprises I mean, it makes, me. It, it makes sense. I, don't even, I can't remember what the first four. I don't remember either. Wound but up being. You know what, though? It. For the most part, there hasn't been a ton of controversy with the Final Four. No, there hasn't. Over the years, it's kind of worked itself out, yep. and there's been no issues, not a ton of controversy on a team that's left out, but I am looking forward to 12. Right. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, and it's and even though there's there, there might be some debate over the 12, you, you don't care as much. No. Because it's like, hey, we're talking about two lost teams then. Yes, but and I'm okay with that. And I'm I'm okay with that too. In this scenario, though, a year from now, if everything played out the same way, we'd be talking about Mizzou gearing up for a playoff game. Yes. 
And I do not agree with those that have said it would diminish the regular season. You'd still have a ton on the line for the regular season because instead of losing one game, you can't lose two, you know, or you still have to stack up a pretty good resume. And you also get some of these teams in there in these in these group of five conferences that probably go you know go the route of Cincinnati and and get blasted. But some of these teams are goofy. If you lose, you better lose early though. Yeah, because then you have a chance to move up. And if you get the second loss against a undefeated team, it looks a little different. Looks a little better. Yeah, right. But I think I think you still have to factor in you know in all these debates, Dan. If you're talking about conferences for example like Alabama and Georgia some people have debated whether or not the SEC will could be left out absolutely not there either Georgia's going to get in or Alabama and Georgia are going to get in and I know a lot of people don't agree with that but you have to factor in the conference play yep or else why wouldn't you include a, a 12 and 0 Liberty team why wouldn't you include 12 and 0 Liberty because they don't play, they don't they don't play in a tough conference. They've got New Mexico State tonight. They do have New Mexico State tonight, which is coached by Jerry Kill. I think New Mexico State gives them a game tonight. I, I do know too. you're looking forward to that conference USA championship game, Dan. I'm in. I think New Mexico State gives them a game tonight. I know my friends are. My friends are interested in the line, which I think is what 10, 10 and a half? Uh looking at it now, ten and a half. Ten and a half, yeah. Uh, by the way, we've got the Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington for you right here on 101 ESPN. Would you pre-game put, at six? If Alabama wins, what do you do with them and Texas with one? And let's just assume that Texas beats Oklahoma State. What do you do? That's the big one for me. I mean, Texas beats Alabama in Tuscaloosa earlier in the year. Alabama is a different team. And again, committee is instructed to judge the team as it is entering the postseason. Who do you put in? Bama and Texas. You got to put both of them in and leave and leave Georgia out. Really? I don't like it because Georgia's Georgia to me is the number one team in the nation, right? But if you think about it, you could go head to head and all that. Texas beat Alabama. Alabama beat Georgia. Yeah, that's a they'd good all point. have one loss. They'd all have four ranked uh, four ranked wins. And their loss, all of them would be against ranked opponents. Yeah. So you could go. They could. They, nobody would like it because Georgia is one of the the best teams in the nation, if not the best. But if you're going to do this based on what happened on the field, how could how could you leave Texas out when they beat Bama? Yeah. How could you leave Bama out and put Georgia in if Bama beat Georgia? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's tough. So it's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be fun to watch. I, I think there's at least one upset. I think there's at least one scenario, one team that people are like, what? But other than that, I think it kind of plays straight this weekend. The favorites win, then you don't have to worry about it. Although yeah. you have to worry Florida about Florida State. State. Yep, that's so the nobody one. wants Florida State in. No, yeah, nope, I'm out. That's that's basically what we're saying. Marsh, we get any text on uh, besides thanks, Dad, on the what they would want to see? Yeah, we have one from the six three six Georgia versus Mizzou, Michigan versus Texas. Never going to happen, but would like to see it. That'd be fun. Uh, we have a, a few other ones. Um, uh, here's one that's agreeing with with us: Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas. Um, Do you want to see it, Dan? You mentioned you mentioned Michigan and Ohio State. I I would lean more toward I don't want to see any of the I, I don't want to see any rematch. 
Even if even if Oregon and Washington is epic, we, that would be three times that we get Washington and Oregon. I'd rather see Oregon versus Texas or somebody else. And we got one from the 314. I am sick and tired of people hating on Washington. They have one of the best resumes. One Georgia, two Washington, three Michigan, four Texas. Go Husk. I Nobody's hating on them. I think that Oregon's going to win tonight. Can you put two pack to 12 teams in? Washington would have as good of a resume as Texas. Yep. But they wouldn't have the conference championship. So, no. Okay. And Oregon would have two losses if they lose tonight. So, no. It's a lot of <laughs> different scenarios with this. Scenarios. I love Washington. I, I, I picked Washington. They're going to the beat wrong Oregon. way, though. They're going the wrong way. I'm with you on that. I watched that Arizona State game. It was not really. I watched a game last weekend, and I didn't think they were going to win. Washington Against Washington State, yeah. who had been down for a while there. What do they call that? The uh, Apple Cup. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the Apple the Cup. The Apple Cup. All right. Dan, I, you've been you've been uh, really talking about the, the reliever situation for the yeah. Cardinals. Hey, I mean, good. Who could they go with this offseason if they decided to either go trade route or free agent route? I know, Dan, you list, you, you've got some guys listed. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan, this is uh, this is not new. You've talked about this for months now. If you're looking at off-season additions for the Cardinals, you cannot just stop at the starting pitching. You cannot just stop at the rotation. You better work your way into the bullpen. I know you have a list of guys that the Cardinals could pursue when it comes to the reliever market. Now, I don't know if you have any trade scenarios, but I don't. free agency yeah, would, still, free would still offer plenty as well. I know one guy you mentioned was Hector Neris. 171 ERA in 71 appearances, and he'll be one of the most sought-after guys, middle relief-wise, in Major League Baseball. By the way, the bullpen, let's just say this, mm-hmm. needed to fix the rotation. Starters over a 5 ERA. The bullpen, 24th in ERA, 29th in strikeout rate, a 56% save percentage, and in high-leverage situations, an ERA over 10. Not good enough, Dan. And that's why I bring up, when you look at what was happening with starters, the average start last year was five and a third across Major League Baseball. Before the World Series and postseason games, there were 36 of those. I went and looked this up. Only six times did a starter work seven innings. Wow. So it gives you an idea. You better get better in your bullpen, and that's across the board. So here's some names I thought of. Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen reports where he's going to command $20 million a year. He had a one two eight ERA with the Padres, 33 saves. Does Craig Kimbrell interest you at all? Now, they need swing and miss. 94 strikeouts in 69 innings. Um, Aroldis Chapman was another one. 103 strikeouts in 58 and a third, but he's got a lack of command. That would concern me. Mentioned Robert Stevenson, 77 strikeouts in 52 and a third. Kirby Yates, finally healthy, was good for the Braves. Um... Keenan Middleton, he was between the White Sox and the Yankees. Pretty good year. Um, A left-hander, Martin Perez, was using the rotation and the pen. 20 starts, 15 relief appearances. I would kick the tires again on Chris Stratton coming back to St. Louis. You need those kind of guys. Rubber arm. 
Yeah. I mean, willing to take the ball any point in time. These are all names that I've kind of thrown out there, and, yeah. and maybe there's some that pique the interest of you and the listeners. So, Dan, I, I'm actually I'm interested in a lot of those names. What about Joe Kelly? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was when, banged up last year. He had, he had some injuries. When he's healthy? Yeah. Absolutely. So my only thing when it comes to relievers is that the bull, you know, bullpens from each year, and this isn't just the Cardinals, this is in Major League Baseball, bullpens around baseball tend to be very volatile. You don't know what you're going to get year to year. And you think you have it all lined up, and then the following year, couple of guys have some bad bad seasons and if and if just a couple of guys do your bullpen is sunk and I even think of like Andre Palante if you just want to isolate him two years ago when he was a rookie boy he was great and then last year fell off dramatically you're talking about somebody that was young and went from one year to the next and it was extreme so I say that to say this if you if you shell out some money for your pen I think it's a higher risk than if you were to shell out some money for a starter or for a position player. That's the only thing I would I would give pause on. Fixing the bullpen is a must. How you do it, though, I'm a little leery if they start handing out multi-year deals. So to your point earlier, when you're talking about a Graceffo, you're probably not ready for Tinkens. McGreevy is another one I would look at. And these are guys that I would start in the bullpen and then eventually graduate towards um, the rotation, I think that's a route that you you look at if you don't want to go free agency. Yeah, And I also think that there's going to be some trades where bullpen guys are mixed in. It's going to be a really active week next week at the winter meetings, not just for the Cardinals, but across the board, Major League Baseball. But these are all things that are on the table right now for the Cardinals. And I've mentioned this to you a ton. In talking with front office personnel, it's very, very hard to dictate, as you just said, year after year, I'm getting certainty out of certain players. Right. I'll give you one that I felt certain every time he took the ball until injuries got him at the end was Jason Isringhausen. There yeah. aren't a lot of those guys falling off trees. No. You know, when Jason Isringhausen came into a game, I felt game over. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was done. And you need guys like Izzy, so you need veterans that are out there that are willing to take young players under their wing and say, this is son, this is how we do it in the bullpen. This is how you are a player off the field, on the field. This is how you become a pro. And some of those guys graduate to um, the major leagues. Yeah. I don't know if there's old school guys like Izzy running around, but I would look for some of those kind of players too. And it's what they did with the rotation. You know, when you get Kyle Gibson, you get uh, Lance Lynn, you get Sonny Gray. Yeah, a little bit older, but you're going to get some guys that are going to help out these young kids, and that's something to consider as well. Plus, you know, the th- those three, the, the three of the guys, too, they're all competitive. Yeah. Like Lance Lynn's a, Lance Lynn's a bulldog. Sonny Gray, I, I didn't realize, you know, I, I knew he was a good pitcher. He's got a competitive streak, and as, oh, as, yeah. does, as does Kyle Gibson. That y- y- You like to think, like, oh, well, all these guys are competitive. Th- there's, different, there's different ways that guys are competitive, Give me the ball every five days. I don't care who my opponent is. I'm going to shove compared to, you know, oh, I really hope we win. There, there's, a, there's, there's a difference. And I think they found three guys that, that have that bulldog mentality. They need that. I would love, and I don't know if they want to pay $11 million for a left-hander in their bullpen, but I'd love to see Steven Matz in the bullpen. I, I felt that way for a while. I thought he looked like a different pitcher. And so if you went out and got somebody else, 
and Michaelis is your four or five and found somebody else and put Mats in my bullpen mm-hmm. where I know I can give him multiple innings if he stretched out a bit, yeah. that'd be something I'd look at. I'm fine with that too. And and essentially you're not you're you're not saving money because the money's already been spent, right. but you're allocating money that maybe you would spend on the bullpen in the in the off season and you're just transferring it to a guy like Steven Matz and saying, okay, this is kind of our free agent, so to speak, bullpen edition. But then, of course, you, you have to find another starter, right? whether it's Zach Thompson or somebody from the outside, trade, free agency, what have you. What do you think about Libertor in the bullpen? See, I, I like it. I like it, too. I talked to BT yesterday, and BT doesn't think that, that uh, Libertor is a, is a reliever. And his reasoning behind it was that he's, he's very routine-oriented, ori- where you know he, he, he likes the... Uh, the starter aspect of I know I'm going to have a certain amount of time off. I know when I'm going to pitch next. Uh, apparently, he's very cerebral when he breaks down the matchups. So that was BT's reasoning on that, not necessarily from a pitch repertoire standpoint or anything like that. I just don't. I didn't see enough last year to 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 bank on Libertor being a starter this season. So no. I was with you. I thought bullpen would be maybe a good spot for him. I think if you're looking at the bullpen, I got to find swing and miss because I'm not getting a ton of swing and miss out of my rotation. No. So I'm looking for guys that can strike people out, miss bats, but that's every team in the league. I understand that. But when you look at specifically what the Cardinals have in their rotation, when you sign Gibson, you sign Lynn, you sign Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's got strikeouts, but the other two, and Michaelis is a guy that doesn't miss a lot of bats either. And Steven Matz, if he's in your rotation, doesn't miss a lot of bats. i got to find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if I have to find it somewhere, I need to go to the bullpen. I believe that Libertor is a bullpen piece, and I don't necessarily agree with BT on that. I think eventually he could graduate to the, the to the rotation, but at this point, with what I have, I'm putting him in the bullpen because I think he's useful. There, There is a case to be made. When guys go to the bullpen, they air it out, and they let loose. And I saw that at times from Libertor. I think it's there. I certainly saw it from Matt's, who was trying to get in on righties, and at times I think as a starter, he's skittish in that regard. And so if you're a lefty and you can dot it inside on a right-hander and throw mid-90s, which these guys can, yeah. you got something. Yep. You got something there. I agree. Yeah. Uh, people are going to think I'm crazy. I, I think you should just sign Yamamoto for the rotation. That would help. And then move Mats to the pen. But again, I know it's kind of a radical idea. we got the gauntlet next. <laughs> Not many have thought of that. On 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Time for the gauntlet here on the Fast Lane 401. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Dan McLaughlin and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. And we are playing our gauntlet playoffs. And today is the official start of round three. Three out of the ten remain. And they're having they're going to have an opportunity to advance to what could be a lightning round. Or if one of the next three wins and the other two loses well we have a a gauntlet playoff champion uh right there so without further ado we welcome back mike to the program for round three what's up mike gentlemen how are we doing today doing doing good i said you were you were talking smack in the uh snake pit 
All day. All nice. Day. I like that. <laughs> For those that don't know yeah, the snake. Kyle and Aaron ain't got nothing either, so let's let's roll. I like we always <laughs> we always love a little listener on listener crime. So the snake pit, for those that don't know, is the Air Alliance team YouTube channel chat. So in the chat, they call themselves the Snake Pit, which I absolutely love, love. it. Uh so Mike, you you I believe beat Jamie and Marsh in the first two rounds, correct? That is correct All with right. baseball and football. All right, so I'm up, and that means it's either hockey or uh, random today, and it's your Oh, so you know what I'm going You're with. You're going hockey, you. son of a... Oh, yeah. All right, Mike. <laughs> damn it. Good luck, buddy. Thank you, sir. You too. Thanks. All right, Mike. I mean, this is, this is huure This is not only for yourself, but you're representing the snake pit, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot on the line here. Are you ready to go? I am, and shout-out to my boys in the snake pit as well. Let's, let's roll. All right, here we go. Hockey is the category, and for those listening that do not know the rules of the gauntlet, we have four questions. If you get the question right without using the options, you get two points. If you have to use the options and you get it correct, you, have, you get one point, and then obviously if you don't get the, the question right, you have zero. Here we go. Question number one. I'm going to start with one. You're you want to start with one? We're going to oh. switch this thing up. Okay. Okay. We're going to switch this thing up. We're going to give Anthony a full shot because, you know what? He struggles in hockey. There's no doubt about it. So we're going to make this an even fight, Mike, because if not, right. I think you just blow him away. So here we go. <laughs> which which two teams met in the 2020 Stanley Cup final? 2020? Yes sir. Which two yeah. teams met in the 2020 Stanley Cup final? I mean it was the Lightning. I don't know who they played. Oh. Give me the options. Stars and Lightning, Canadians and Lightning, Avalanche and Lightning. Oh. I think it was the Canadian and the Lightning. Final, Final answer? answer. Final answer indeed. Question two, please. Question number two. Rasmus Dahlin recently signed a contract worth 11 million AAV, tied for second amongst NHL defensemen for highest AAV, along with Drew Doughty. Who currently carries the highest AAV amongst NHL defensemen? Carlson? Oh, I think it's Carlson. Uh, I'm going to go Eric Carlson. Final answer. All right. Question three. The longest game in NHL history went how many overtimes? I believe it was five overtimes with the Penguins. Five. Final answer. And question number four. That game happened in 1936. It was a one-nothing victory for which team over the Montreal Maroons? Well, that kind of uh, threw me off. Can you repeat that question? Yes, so that game that we just previously mentioned happened in 1936. It was a one-nothing victory for which team over the Montreal Maroons? Um, I mean, it's got to be one of the original six. Uh, I'll just shoot from the hip and go Detroit Red Wings. Final answer. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's bring Ooh. in Anthony. How are you feeling, Mike? Man, hockey is my worst category, too. I don't feel good at all. Well, we'll see uh, what Anthony has dialed up for us today. Clearly, 
Anthony is the hockey guy on the show, so you might be in trouble. We'll see what happens. Come on, Anthony. Mike, you know uh, darn well that I am not the hockey guy. Yeah, you know. I switched it up and did question one and three. Okay. Oh, okay. I felt like, you know, to make this a fair fight, maybe just switch up the mojo a little bit. So there's names in the two and four that maybe, Dan, you wanted to avoid? What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. All right, let's get this over with. All right, uh, Anthony, pack a launch. Yeah, I figure. Okay. Actually did. Quit. <laughs> you did. Got some chicken. Which two teams met in the 2020 Stanley Cup final? Which two teams met in the 2020 Stanley Cup final? Okay, so that would have been the COVID year. That's right. Or the year before, because it'd be 2019-2020. The Lightning had their run. Uh, okay, so this would be the year. No, this would be the this would be the COVID year, because the 2019 obviously the Blues won in 2019, and then the following year started the Lightning run. So I know it's the Lightning. Who did the Lightning play from the old Western Conference? Avs were a couple of years after that. I'm trying to think of the top of the Western Conference. Uh, Nashville, no. Jets, no. Blues, no. Uh, stars. Flame. Did the Flames win? Stars. I think it was the Stars in the in the COVID year. I think they made the run in the bubble. I'm going to say Stars and Lightning. Final answer on that. Question two, please. Question number two. Rasmus Dahlin recently signed a contract worth 11 million AAV, tied for second amongst NHL defensemen for highest AAV along with Drew Doughty. Who currently carries the highest AAV amongst NHL defensemen? It's got to be Carlson. It's got to be Eric Carlson because he's the only one that has signed a massive contract of late. Eric Carlson. Uh, final answer. Question three. The longest game in NHL history went how many overtimes? Oh, I don't know. Can I have the options, please? Four, five, or six? Longest game in NHL history went how many overtimes? Four, five, or six OTs? Let's go in the middle. Five. Final answer. And question number four. That game happened in 1936. It was a one nothing victory for which team over the Montreal Maroons? Oh, everybody remembers this. Of course. Uh, not? Can I get the options, please? Options are the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens, or the Detroit Red Wings. And this was in the 30s? In 1936. Maple Leafs, Red Wings, and who? In the Montreal Canadiens. Well, it couldn't have been Montreal. They wouldn't have two teams, would they? Montreal, Montreal. So I'm going to eliminate them. So either Maple Leafs, who have had an absolute ton of success, or the Red Wings, who have had an absolute ton of success. Uh, everybody knows I was, uh, I was born on 10 Mile. So I'm going <laughs> to go with my hometown Detroit Red Wings. Final answer. Okay. All I don't righty. feel horrible about that. Let's go over these questions. About that question or just generally? Just general. I don't. I, I feel like that could have been much worse. I feel semi-confident, so I probably had 0.0, .0 points, but let's, let's roll here. All right. Let's start 
with question number two. Rasmus Dahlin recently signed a contract worth $11 million AAV, tied for second amongst NHL defensemen for highest AAV along with Drew Doughty, who currently carries the highest AAV amongst NHL defensemen. You both said Eric Carlson. Nice. The correct answer is... Eric Carlson. But, but neither of you oh, needed the option. You uh, nice job. So we're Watch tied. Your language, please. Uh, okay. We're tied at two. Question number three: The longest game in NHL history went how many overtimes? Mike, you said five. Oh. Wow. Anthony, you said five. Mike didn't need the options oh, though. Let's go four or six. Correct answer is six. Oh, nice. I'm happy about being wrong on that. So we're still tied up at two. Question number four. That overtime game happened in 1936. It was a one nothing victory for which team over the Montreal Maroons? Anthony, you used the options and you said Detroit. Mike used the options. Or did he? He said Detroit. Oh, no. Correct answer is Detroit Red Wings. Mike didn't need the options. Oh, no. Mike has a 4 3 lead heading into the final question. Which two teams met in the 2020 Stanley Cup final? Anthony, you said it was the Stars and Lightning. Mike said it was the Canadians and the Lightning. That's right. Oh, we know no. with the options that the Avalanche and Lightning are also an option. Ah. If it is the Avalanche and the Lightning, Mike wins. If it is the Canadians and the Lightning, Mike wins. If it is the Stars and the Lightning, Anthony, you win. And Mike, unfortunately, for the time being, you are eliminated. Mike. You have chosen. You lose. It was the stars. Stars and lightning. Wow. In the bubble, Mike. As soon as, as soon as, uh, I know. As soon as you said Canadians, though, I'm like, that's right. They, they had that one year, that one goofy year that they had. I, I thought I lost to you, man. Wow. You know, it's been a fun ride, boys. And I guess Kyle was right all along. I ain't got nothing. No, no, that's not no, that's not that. true. Don't you hang your hey, head. Hey, it's not over oh, yet. Oh, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm that's kidding. that's true. It's not over yet because if the other two lose, then I guess uh, we're gonna figure that. something out, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you boys better pick your game up next week. All right. Yeah, <laughs> nice. no kidding. Uh, Mike, have yourself a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and, right. and thanks for guys. thanks for for participating in the uh, snake pit. Yes, sir. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thank Bye. you. I thought for sure it was the the Habs. What year did they go? So that was the following year. There was a shortened season after the bubble. Yeah. They picked back up in 2021, and that and that, that is when here. the divisions and the conferences were all jumbled. That's and right. And the Canadians ended up going against the Lightning, Lightning because the Canadians beat the Vegas Golden Knights in the conference. That's right. Champion, and that's the year the that what might have been for the Blues. No kidding, because Bennington had Bennington was disgustingly good. Yes, heading into the bubble, I didn't, Canadians weren't even on my radar, obviously, because I wasn't thinking about the the jumbled um, conferences and stuff. All right, uh, we have what's trending next in the fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the fast lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred and one ESPN.
It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, Anthony Stalter, and our guy Andrew Marsh has what's trending. What's trending in the world of sports? The fast lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill to win a magical Polar Express staycation. All right, gentlemen. So, Dan, you wanted to talk about uh, LeBron James. You brought LeBron. up LeBron James. Oh, in we were the talking office. in the office about this. Yeah. yeah. And Bronny, who is scheduled to come back, goes to USC, plays basketball, and he had a medical injury, I believe, earlier in the year. Heart palpitations, Um, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, LeBron said that he would be willing to miss one of his games to see his son's first game. What are your thoughts on that? I'm torn. I think you owe it to your team to be there as a good teammate, I think you owe it to the fans that pay a ticket to come and watch one of the all-time greats. But that's your son. Yeah. And it is just one regular season game, and he's playing in his first. You probably, if you're LeBron James, have missed out on tons of things in his life. It's only one game. I mean, guys go to Puerto Rico sometimes to go see their basketball teams. That's happened before. I can't remember... A situation in which that 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 occurred. Oh, it did. I feel like you're making that up. No, no, no. It happened. It wasn't during the season. It was right in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I was thinking about that. Like, (laughs) wait a minute, guys have missed games for basketball games. It's happened before. So this would be his first uh, LeBron son's first game. Yeah, Bronny's first game with USC. I think he goes. I think he should go. It's one game. Is he going to play? I, I don't know enough about USC's basketball team and and, and LeBron's son and all that. I I have no idea. Like, is he going to, you know, is he going to is he going to come in and get some minutes at the end, or we start? Is he a starter? If if he's starting, I think I think you I think you go. If LeBron James is in the building, his son Bronny will be playing. Yeah, yeah. He's a McDonald's All American. Okay. You know, a lot of people are wanting to see him. I'm sure mm-hmm. because he's LeBron's son. Sure. I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn. I think you do owe it to the league and to your teammates. Um, I think the way I would have sold it, though, if and you probably could have gotten away with this, you could have said it was load management. Sure. And just said, I'm not going to play anyway, so I'm going to go watch my son play. Yeah. That's one way to maybe sell it. I don't know, though. You're not in the building, though. It looks like a bad thing to not be there for your teammates still. I almost respect that he's going to be honest. About yeah, it. I agree. And up front, and if you're a fan, you got to take it. At least you get a little headway that he's not going to, you know, that he might not play. He's missed so much, I'm sure, of his son's yeah. accomplishments sure. or games or milestones. Yeah, it's one game. I'm good with it. I think the question I, is, I don't is, think you should be criticized. I think that's ridiculous. Is Bronny good enough to make it to the league? Which LeBron has said he always wants to play with his son mm-hmm. in the NBA. I, that's the question for me is how good is his son and will that happen? That'd be awesome to play with your son or play against your son. Yeah. It's incredible that he's lasted that long in the league. This is a really stupid question, I'm sure, but have we seen that before? I in don't basketball? think so. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a, son, a dad, dad-son combo, have we? Obviously in baseball we've seen it. Yeah. But in basketball, that's remarkable. It is. It's the beating that your body yeah. takes. Yeah, I'm not sure. In any sports room, I mean, to see like Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, or Bobby and Barry Bonds, right? Well, didn't they? Bobby and Barry. Bobby played. Yep. Uh, not together. No, but um, they were in the league at the same time. I don't think so. Oh, no? I don't think so. I, just, I could be wrong about that. But I know Bobby coached 
with the Giants for at least one year. I think he was the first base coach. You had when, Pete Rose, Pete Rose Jr. Okay. Um, the Griffies played together. And I Anyways, think that's it. That's, re- that's really remarkable. I don't know if I necessarily love it because oh, I yeah. feel like you're... Bobby Bonds' last year was 81. My yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. Nope. It, you're kind of setting a precedent. Like if LeBron James can do it, you mentioned, you know, he's men- he's missed so much of his son. Well, so has a ton of other people. Which, uh, They're yeah. missing their family too, like those family right. events. So if LeBron does it, what's stopping another player from saying, hey, I'm going to skip out on this yeah. game because I have this going How on. How many championships have, do you have, you know? How many? I, I think that's dumb though. Like, LeBron, yeah, LeBron. Dumb that he missed it? No, I think it's dumb that you let this player do it because he's what? LeBron James? Like what kind of yes. what kind of message are you yeah. sending to your team though? As soon as you're to LeBron's stature, you can miss games. I get that. I just I don't know. I'm thinking of the team. You know what? What if what if they miss the playoffs by one game, or what if they don't get a certain then you seed by one game? Then you weren't good enough. Yeah, the Gordy Howe. I remember at his kids, they played together. Uh, neighbor Dave, shout out to na- my my neighbor Dave. Uh, Gordy Howe, two sons. Oh yeah. Yep. Good call. I wasn't even thinking hockey. Yeah. That's yeah. I just you think about the physical sports of Yeah. Knowing LeBron I mean, have you seen the numbers that LeBron is putting up this year? He's been fantastic. It's unbelievable to be at his age and doing what he's doing. The oldest player in the league and he's still playing at a very, very high level. Yeah. Hell he might see his grandson play with him. <laughs> <laughs> the way that things are going. You never know. Uh, guys, the Browns are looking to start Joe Flacco, the 38-year-old, to start against the Rams. Thoughts on Flacco trying to help the Browns stay in the playoff hunt? Yeah, I got, I got thoughts on this. Take the Rams. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be ugly. Have you seen Cleveland's numbers away from? I don't know if it's First Energy Stadium or whatever they're playing now, Brown Stadium, I guess. The on the road this year, the Browns defensively have been dreadful. They gave up 29 to the Broncos last week. Two weeks ago, they gave up, and they won, but they gave up 31 to the Ravens. They gave up 24 in Seattle. They gave up 38 to the Colts in Indy. And this is the, this is the most egregious one. We've all seen the Steelers' offense this year, right? The Browns gave up 26 points to the, Bron- to the Steelers in Week 2 in Pittsburgh. So they're in other words, Joe Flacco is gonna get no help from his deep from his defense, which has been good at home this year, great at home this year. Uh the running game's okay. They're gonna they're gonna get boat raced. Do you guys believe in staying out on the West Coast and that's what Cleveland yes. did. So they went to as you mentioned, they played Denver and now they've stayed on the West Coast. Yeah. As they know they have the Rams instead of flying back home, different time zone again, then going back out, time zone change. I don't know, something to think about as I they think go it into makes, this game. I think it makes sense. I do just too. leave them out there. It's a business trip. You're only going to be out there for 2 weeks. You can find a stadium to practice in. You stay out there. Everybody stays connected. Yeah. Typically those teams play better in the second game. And I'm totally just using anecdotal evidence because I feel like yes. teams typically play better. You're getting a sleeping I pattern. No, I have no evidence of that, though, Dan. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned this earlier in the week about Kevin Fitzgibbons, a.k.a. K. Fitz, who was the University of Miami student that was contracted by the NFL uh, to 
you know, create content, take video and whatnot. He was involved with the Tyreek Hill touchdown celebration where Tyreek Hill did a backflip. Um, and then Kay Fitz had his media day or media credential revoked for the season. Well, it turns out now that Tyreek Hill will be covering his salary Love it. Uh, for the rest of the season. It's, to me, it was either Hill or the Dolphins that had to step up in that situation. With the NFL being stooges, somebody step up. Good for Hill. If, if Hill didn't, though, the Dolphins should have. NFL should be applauding the recognition that they got on that particular Seriously. play. Not that they need more publicity, but it was all in good fun. Yeah. And it was the player they grabbed it from the guy that was holding the right. camera. Right. It wasn't like the, he was going out and putting it in his face and was detrimental to the play yeah. or to the celebration or whatever. It was or, him. Or tossed it to to Tyreek as soon as he crossed the, the, goal, yeah. the end line, the goal line. Loved it when Terrell Owens had the Sharpie underneath the uh, goalpost. Yep. That's one of my favorites. Uh, or Did he have it under the – because Joe Horn had the phone under his under that the goalpost. That was post. Joe Horn. Did, did uh, Owens had – I know I remember the Sharpie, but did he also hide it in the goalpost? Yeah, he hit it the, in the base, I believe, mm-hmm. or maybe had it in his sock. One of the two. I think you're right. Maybe it was in his sock. Yeah. He scores a touchdown, reaches down, grabs a Sharpie, and signs, signs the ball. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Ocho Cinco had the, like the Hall of Fame jacket. Yes, I mean, yeah, fun Just stuff. Have, have fun with it. Who yeah, cares? Fun. There you go. All right, it's the Fast Lane on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're gonna play pass or play. We're gonna look at the college football championship games and the lines, and we're gonna talk about whether or not we'd we'd play it or pass on it. Next on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. Pass or play college football championship edition. You got the championship game starting tonight. We have the Pac-12 title game for you. Pre-game starting right after me, Dan, and uh, Marsh are done here in the fast lane. So pre-game at 6 o'clock for Oregon and Washington. And that kicks off college championship weekend. Technically, the Conference USA matchup between New Mexico State and Liberty kicks off. Because that's, that's at 6. high school basketball on television Is right it? now. Oh, yeah. nice. Columbus and Mount Verde. Okay, good. I know you're into that. I certainly am. Yep. High school hoops. Throw out the records when those two teams get together, I'll tell you that. National TV. All right, Marsh. Yeah. Pass or play? What do you got for us? All right. Oregon, minus nine and a half over Washington. It is at minus 106. Pass or play? Dan, are you passing or playing this one? Uh, I'd play it. I think Oregon's going to blow them out. I'm with you. Yeah. I like the favorites this weekend. I like Oregon tonight. Yep. Oregon, if if we just look back, and I know we got the one Washington fan that's very upset, thinks that we hate Washington. I don't hate Washington. Not at all. But walk with me here. Michael Penix Jr., if you're a Washington fan, you know this. He has been great. He hasn't been incredible like he was in the first two months of the season. They should have lost Arizona State outright as like a 
28-point favorite. They give up 33 to Stanford. Stanford sucks this year. Back and forth game with USC, no problem there. Then they get past Utah, they win by seven. Barely got past Oregon State in, in, a, in a rough game for both offenses. And then barely got by Washington State. I think Washington is about to meet its match. Oregon's got a better defense. The offense is is more than capable of matching whatever Washington does, but I don't even think they're going to have to match like that first game. I think that this is going to be a game in which Oregon wins by two-plus touchdowns. Bo Nix, Heisman Trophy winner. I think he's going to get it. Yep. He's the favorite to get it. I think Penix now is like plus 1,200, um, and Nix was like minus 200, something like that, to win it. He needs that. Bo Nix needs that Heisman moment. He's got the statistics. So he needs the Heisman moment. Maybe it comes tonight. Washington against the rush, too, against the running game is not good, but Oregon slings it everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think that's something to watch out for again is how they approach that moving forward here tonight. For sure. All next, right, so we both have Oregon. Yep. Next one, Texas minus 14.5 over Oklahoma State. It is at minus 112. Now, you said you like the favorites, but this is one of the dogs you like, right? Uh, I did. Or are you just biased against Texas? Yeah. You, so, so in the last hour, has your bias against Texas has it faded? It has. Okay. It has. <laughs> There's just, a reason why you've backed Texas. I, I'm just being honest. It has. Texas has played tighter games than I thought they would this year. Yeah. Like the Iowa State games, a good example. Okay. I thought Texas would go in there, blow them out. Mm-hmm. Normally, teams that are going to be in the top four in the country go into Iowa State or play and I'm not saying Iowa State's a bad team they're a good team but when you're elite you go in and blow those teams out certainly and there's been a couple of games that they haven't you've seen teams that hang tough with Texas then fade um like Texas or TCU against Texas mm-hmm. they allow TCU back in the game yeah same thing with Kansas State too exactly. Texas was rolling and then I think it was third quarter Kansas State started to come back so I get a little skittish with that. Sure. But I'm going to go with Texas. I like Texas as well. I don't like the hook. I don't either. I like Hook'em Horns. I don't like the hook, though. The you don't like that half. half. No. Uh, but here's the thing. The the path to Oklahoma State winning is pretty, is pretty simple. They have to run the football. And they have been able to run the football at times because they got one of the nation's better running backs. But Texas is stout against the run. Texas has legit, uh, you know, four or five-star recruits up and down that defensive line. So I think that Texas shuts down the run, puts a bunch of pressure on Oklahoma State's offense, starts to roll a little bit. The key for Texas, don't turn the ball over, which has been a problem at times, and they have to finish drives. That has been one of the big – you talk about, like, Texas playing in a lot of close games, Dan, or closer games than you expected. It's because they're not finishing drives. They get inside the red zone and either set a four field goal or turn the ball over. If you convert, if you if you score touchdowns tomorrow in the Big 12 championship game, this will not be close. Oklahoma got them in the final 77 seconds in the Red River Red River rivalry. Say that right. ten times fast. That's after Texas came back. I think it's going to be the overall weakness of the Big 12 that may hinder Texas getting into the Final Four. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. But now I, they move to the SEC next year, and that's a different story. So it's a play for me. It's a play for me. Texas minus 14 and a half. Let's go with the Iowa team total of six and a half. <laughs> they are taking on Michigan, and that team total of six and a half is at minus one twenty-eight. So, it, for those that, that that don't know what this is, Iowa 
if you took the over, Iowa just has to score a touchdown and, and convert the extra point. That's it. That's it. The problem is that Iowa has one of the worst offenses in college football history. Did you watch the uh, ne- Nebraska game last weekend? It was painful. The punters were the most important players on the field. Did you see the guys in the stands that said, "Oh, that, that's th- right, that had that's the right." Punt? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it just said punts or I'm here for the punts or whatever. <laughs> but every time, every time one of the teams punted, which was almost every drive, yes, ESPN would would scan to those guys in the in the uh, stadium and they would be celebrating because the teams were punting. Matt Rule, by the way, the head coach in Nebraska says it'll cost a million to a million and a half to bring in a QB through the transfer portal. And they're going to need one. He's spot on. He is 100% right. Now, you think about it, you get some of these names from kids from big schools and you say, man, you you got a guy from Florida State, you got a guy from Florida, you get a guy from Miami, you get a guy from Oklahoma that is not the starter. There's a reason he doesn't start. Wasn't good enough to get on the field. True. And that's not the player that they're talking about. They're talking about kid from Oregon State. Yeah, uh, DJ Ungala Lele. Yeah, uh, kid from Duke. Yeah, uh, Riley Leonard. Yep. I mean, those are the guys that you're going to have to pay for. It sounds like he might go to Notre Dame. Seems like that would be the case. Although I would imagine Texas A&M is going to make a hard push. His head coach is there now. You would think so. Yeah. yeah. You would that makes so. sense. Uh, anyway, so Iowa, I think Iowa, Iowa's got to score at least once, right? What's the over-under on this? Oh, it's like 30-something. 34-and-a-half. 34-and-a-half. I could see Michigan covering that. Yeah, they may blow them out. This could be like one of their early season games and just blow them out. I think this is going to be 34-7. to That's, uh, yeah, I like that. 34-7. You think Iowa gets seven? I think they get a late touchdown. Michigan pulls some guys, gets them in for the, say, hey, I played in the... Yeah, Big Ten championship, and they were able to move the football, uh, football a little bit. Yes, that yeah, makes some sense. I think they get shut out for three quarters, and then they sneak one in in the fourth quarter. Yeah, all right, I'm with <laughs> you on that. I'll take the over there. All right, we were talking about Georgia and Alabama earlier in the show. Georgia minus five and a half over Alabama at minus one ten. So a lot of people have talked about, and rightfully so, the progress that Jalen Milrow has made, and I think it should be noted. Legit. You talk about somebody that uh, this this kid was benched early in the season, and he gets inserted back into the the starting lineup. And since that Tennessee game, he has just matured. And of course, last week he throws the absolute missile to beat Auburn <laughs> in the Iron Bowl. Just a remarkable play on that fourth and whatever. Thirty one, I think it was. <laughs> what a what a throw! Like that yep. was a that was an NFL throw. But Dan, if you look at the opponents. LSU does not play defense. Kentucky, they were good early on, and they got steadily worse all the way around. Chattanooga, and then Auburn, you really didn't do much offensively last week. Georgia's a a different animal. Now, Georgia doesn't have the pass rush that they've had in previous years, but they have four four kids in their secondary that are probably first-round picks in the NFL. So, you know, what's the path to victory? It's Jalen Milrow throwing the ball deep protecting the ball but I, th- I wonder if we start to see a little bit more of the early season Jalen Milrow the guy that took a bunch of sacks the guy that turned the ball over because this Georgia defense creates havoc boy you're convincing me now to not go with uh no, Alabama go, go with your gut no I mean, five and a half that's that's a decent amount of, no, uh, of points because you're right I mean I'm thinking about the schedule that they played and the lack of defense that they saw 
You're right. Anthony, you have convinced me yet again. Yes. I hope I didn't just screw you over there, Dan. And that's why I'm going to go with Alabama. No, I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> You've been wrong so much, Anthony. I'm going to fade you. Uh, Georgia, by the way. Georgia. Mizzou hung with Georgia. Yep. Other than that, they destroyed Florida. They destroyed Ole Miss. They destroyed Tennessee. They had a little bit of trouble last week with Georgia Tech, but I, I have That's to looking wonder. Ahead, isn't it? I have to wonder if they're just preparing for the SEC title game. Yeah. Carson Beck, their quarterback for Georgia, is playing out of his mind. Georgia Tech was one possession away. Yeah. That one possession was, at the end. That game was stupid close. Yes. Yep. All right. It's fast line on one on one ESPN. And by the way, I have Louisville beating Florida State. That was the other game we didn't get to, but. I What's the line on that? It's only one and a half now because the Tate Rodham, if you missed missed the uh, the earlier news, Florida State's backup quarterback, Tate Rodemaker, is doubtful tomorrow. I'm going with Florida State. Still going with Florida State? I am. All right. Switched it. I'm going Florida go. State. There you have it. All right. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We'll at least do part of the Sports Six back next. So if you got a question for us, 314-399-9646. That's the Air Comfort Service tax line. Send your question in there. We'll do our Sports Six back here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is now... All right, at least the first part of the Sports Six Pack is right now with Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marsh has, has your questions via the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314-399-9646. Marsh, go. Question number one. From the 660, is there a way to make college football playoffs more interesting, more like March Madness feel somehow? Yeah, expanded to 12 teams. I wonder if they're asking if you can like, expand it even more. Oh, that'd be tough. Really tough. At some point, you're going to run out of too many weeks that you could put these kids through. Yep. You know, now, I was thinking about this earlier. Help me out. So, you got 12 games, conference champion, 11 games, 12 games of the conference championship, right? Right. So, if you go to 12 teams, you'd get, uh, what, three more games? This just adds three more, right? One against 12, one against six. So, you advance there. Yeah. So, you're talking... 15 games. I mean, NFL is 17-game regular season schedule. I think they have to shorten the regular season schedule. That's what they'd have to do. And you can do it. You can get rid of the Chattanoogas. Yeah. The, and I realize, as I say this, you know, Chattanooga, they get paid by Bama to play. So one game against Alabama, and it could fund your entire program. So I, I, you know, I don't want to overlook that aspect of it, but... If we're talking about just what's best for the college football playoff, you're going to have to shorten up the regular season. So to Dan's point, that you could get a little little extra rest. There. I mean, the pros, and a lot of these kids are making pretty good money now, but the pros are playing 17 games. I think so you play 15, that's a ton. With the kids that are making money, I think the incentive to go to the NFL is not as high as it once was. Oh, I agree. I mean, you're going to see now kids stay four or five years in a program and stay there and realize I can make a lot of money. And I wonder, Dan, if that's if that's if that's better too. You're talking about more reps in college before you get to the the next level. Yes. I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. I agree. I mean, you could get, you know, uh, how many starts 
you're if you're a three year if you're a three year starter, you know you're looking at what thirty six potentially thirty six yeah plus games before you go pro. Those reps are invaluable. 12, 24, 36. Yeah, yeah. easily. Yeah, if you just if you just play twelve games, obviously. yeah, but for sure, I don't think that's necessarily bad. And I, th- I think you're right. I think that kids could look at like if you're Caleb Williams, maybe I just stay here and make a couple mil and then go to the NFL. I'm I'm looking at even not the fringe player, but a really good college player. Caleb Williams may be excluded from this, yeah, but a good college player. Just saying, you know. I might as well stay in here, like you said, get my reps, refine my game, and still make a million bucks right. doing cool. what I'm doing. And hey, maybe graduate too. Yeah, that That'd would be, be nice. nice too. Assuming you're paying attention. Question two, please. Question number two. From the 314, are the cards naive slash blind enough to think their bullpen is good to go as is? I no. don't think so, no. No. I mean, we could sit here and we can criticize them and we can criticize them for the mistakes they've made in the past and we'd be right to do so based on how it how those results have been right but i do not think the cardinals are naive to think that the bullpen is is ready to go right now absolutely not they're looking to add and they will add in the next couple of weeks i bet they add at least two arms i think they're going to be active at the winter meetings i think you're going to see some trades um which involve maybe young outfielders Mm -hmm. and i don't have inside sources on this is just read the tea leaves and how this works out and with that if you get something back in return what's the deficiency right now with the club and in my mind it's the bullpen and you've got to restructure that and restructure in a big way so no i i think they realize they've got to make some changes and it's got to happen before pitch one agreed question three please question number three from the 314 should the panthers give brian flores another shot and hire him with byron leftwich as their offensive coordinator one win this year, Anthony. One win. It's not great. No. Dan. no. I think Brian Flores should be a head coach again. Yes. Have you seen, and I know Marshy has, have you seen the job that he has done with the Vikings? Yes. That defense was atrocious last year. And there's a lot of similar players on that defense that he that Brian Flores is working with. And that defense has improved in uh, leaps and bounds. And Brian Flores was a, was a pretty good coach with the Dolphins. It went sideways because of some tampering issues. I got should look. not have been let go. I got to look at an offensive-minded quarterbacks coach. If I've invested in Bryce Young, I got to find somebody that can salvage. He's been sacked 40 times. 40 times. So my offensive line is probably part of the problem. Yep. And the, and the other system. part of the, and the system and Bryce Young trying to decision make. So find the system that works for my QB and find the coach that can maximize that system with him. You nailed it. You're you absolutely know? right. That's yep. that's where I would go. It's remember when when Josh McDaniels was the OC for the Rams for one year? Yeah. And he had Sam Bradford doing like seven step drops behind a terrible offensive line. And it was a disaster. Yep. Bryce Young should not be in a system where it's mostly five and seven step drops. He's going to spread he's a, it out. He's accurate, but he's also smaller. And to sit, and he doesn't have the receivers right now. So you got no separation. You're asking him to hang in the pocket for seven steps behind a bad O line. It's a disaster. So what does he do after he takes enough beatings? He starts to look down, the eyes go down. 
and he starts to look at the rush and he starts to anticipate it and feel it when it's not there. That's what young quarterbacks do when they get when they get beat up because you you obviously want to give yourself more time to look at the field. Three step, get the ball out. That's what Tua's in. That's the, that is the offense that Mike McDaniel has for, That's for Tua. The Three, example, five step, get the ball out. That's the exact system that Bryce Young should be in. And where did they both play at? Alabama. So find a system that is somewhat the equivalent of what sure. they played at in college and work to their strengths. Right. I mean, 40 sacks this year, man. That's terrible. Him and Sam Howell of Washington have gotten destroyed this season. I, mean, I love Sam, Sam Howell, Howell, by the way. beat up every single week. Big fan. He's been good. Big, big fan. He's been good. He's been uh, a playmaker at times. All right, we will carry over our sports six-pack. We'll do questions four, five, and six next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. 501, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. And Dan, I believe we're on question four. Question four, please. Question number four. All right, guys. Interesting one here from the 636. If in the next five years the Cards don't win a World Series, would the narrative be the Cardinals let down Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado? Or would it be that Goldie and Nolan Arenado let down the Cardinals? All right, so I don't fall in either camp here, but Me I'll neither. tell you I'll tell you which camp I, I, I side with more. And it, it might not be the one that you picked, Dan, or the one that's that's the most popular version. But it drives me a little crazy when I hear that the Cardinals are wasting Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. The reason why it drives me a little crazy is that those two guys can still make a huge impact. When Goldschmidt was an MVP two years ago and Arenado was an MVP candidate. I think you finished, what, third that year or fourth? I think it was, yeah. Third. He was top five. Yeah. They they went to the playoffs. Now, they didn't get it done, and part of that was because of the offense. I can't just say, well, you're wasting those two guys when they're on the team and they have as much stake in it as, as every other player. But had they done enough in the offseason and, and through the trade market and through the international market and through you know even their drafts to – supplement the talent and put that, you know, or complement the talent that is Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. No. So I, I don't think I don't think it's cut and dry to fall into either category, but they're on the they're on the roster. They're on the team. The Cardinals made a huge investment to those guys. So you can't just say that their their talent is being wasted. They're they're part of it. I can't stand it when people say, well, this player X never won a championship. It drives me crazy. Because there are so many mitigating circumstances outside of their control that allow them to either win or lose. Yeah, You know, it's kind of like wins and losses in baseball, right? With a pitcher, there's a lot of different reasons as to why you have that W or that L. Right. And you're dependent on others around you. So I don't put blame on either one of those guys, and I'm with you. You know, going into last season, they just weren't very good. Didn't have enough pitching. Mm-hmm. That's not on them. No, And they could put up numbers, and I don't care how big the numbers were, they weren't going to win because they did not have enough pitching. So the point is, I don't think it falls on two individual shoulders. I think it's a collective effort as to why you win or lose. Sure. 
Uh, but at the same time, when they do get there, if they start to build, they're a, a big reason. They're, they they got they they also have to come through, right? So it's it's catch twenty two, as they would say, Dan. Question five, please. Question number five. From the 618, what is your Mount Rushmore of blown slash bad calls? My number one is Armando Galarraga's near-perfect game. Mm. That's the first one that came to my mind, too. It's unfortunate, though, because Jim Joyce, who was the umpire on that such play. Such a good guy. Such a good guy. And there are, there are there have been stories written about what happened after that moment, including Jim Joyce driving down to his... I think his his parents' house or his mother's house in Ohio, I believe. So for those that don't know Detroit, Detroit is pretty close to the Ohio border. So it's not that far of a drive to, you know, to to go down to Ohio if you're umpiring a game one night and have to be be there the next day. So I believe Jim Joy so distraught about missing that call and costing Armando Galarraga a uh perfect game, drove down to his mom's house, you know, basically said uh, I I think he was ready to quit, be done with it, because he just he felt so awful. Um, wound up going back to the park the next day, and Galarraga walked out with the lineup card, and he's in and tears. It, yeah, and gave it to Jim Joyce, and yeah. they had a great moment. So that was one of the bigger blunders in sports history. But I hate to put it on the Mount Rushmore because how many times have we seen an umpire or uh, an official make a bad call? And you never hear from them. They don't. Right. They don't have to dress the media. They don't do anything. But Jim Joyce clearly felt big time remorse. And it was a mistake. It's you know, it, it's it's a bang bang play. We have the benefit of watching it fourteen thousand times on on instant replay. He made a ba- he made a bad call, and you know he's got to live with that. But the easy one that comes to mind is Don Dinkinger. Don Dinkinger is another one. Um, I I don't like. So I go back to Brett Hall's game-winning goal with the Dallas Stars. And at that time, if you had a skate in the crease, supposed to be disallowed. Right. And it wanted to be in a, a Stanley Cup winner. Yep. <clears throat> now, I didn't agree with the rule. The rule is stupid. If you're in front and you have a chance to put it in, you put it in. As long as it's not egregious and you're banging into the goalie and all that kind of stuff. But the rule is a rule. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's people in Buffalo that are upset that that was not disallowed i would say so um that comes to mind i think now it's just not as apparent because of of instant replay right you know like you to your point you you get a chance to review these plays instant replay is now part of the game and going back to armando galarraga's deal i i had the chance to visit with jim joyce a couple of times mm-hmm. you wouldn't find a nicer guy he felt awful he felt so bad about what happened and he blew it. It was a blown call. Yeah. There, there's no doubt he missed it. And as he said, he goes, that kid is never, maybe never have the, the chance to do this again. And yeah. he was right. Never yeah. happened again. Yeah, because it's not like Galarraga was Max Scherzer or something where, you know, he had the, the talents and he was going to have that chance. Have, yeah, have many opportunities beyond that. Is there one in football that comes to mind? What about the fifth down? I got one NFL That's one. The, yeah, that but one stands fifth out. down, I mean... How does that happen? How do you allow that to happen? Where you've got Colorado, uh, obviously it's the Colorado-Mizzou game in 1990, and nobody in the stadium realizes, specifically the officials, that they awarded Colorado uh, an an extra down. And I still don't think the back got in. (laughs) That's the other part of it. I (laughs) I I agree with you. It's only got in. Was that Eric Biennemi at that time? I think it was Biennemi. Yeah. 
And then the hand pass comes to mind, too, with the Blues. The hand pass is a good one. That's bad. The, there is an NFL one that was fairly recent. That... The Green Bay-Seattle game? Oh, that's the Fail Mary. The yeah. Fail Mary. yeah. That one was bad, but I'm thinking of NFC Championship game, Saints and Rams. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. That was terrible. Who is it? Roby? Yes. Nicole Roby? Yep. With an obvious mug. No hold, no call on that one. Now, the Saints had an opportunity to win in overtime. They didn't. So... Part of this falls on the Saints, but they should have won it right there. That's terrible. I'm trying to think of some other. I know there's a bunch what about too. Bounty Gate NFC Championship Saints and Vikings. Just for like the Bounty Gate situation, you mean? Well, there was a few calls that uh, were not great towards the end of that game in the fourth quarter, and especially in overtime when the Saints yeah. were driving to kick that game-winning field goal. The thing too, I about- vaguely remember that. I, I, it was the Brett Favre game, right? Yeah. He was, he was with the Vikings then. Don Dinkinger blows the call, and that was in game six. You still had game seven. Now, it was terrible. It was the ninth inning, and clearly Todd Worrell is at the bag. And mm-hmm. I remember Jack Buck saying, you know, Sparky Anderson was working with Jack Buck, and he kind of said, well, Jack, you have this, you have that, you know, and this could happen. And, that, you know, he's not covering up. He was just trying to, he's like, Jack was like, <laughs> He's got the ball. Foot is on the bag. That's the rule, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Said it just like that. But um, He's right. Yeah, that was a tough one. If you're a St. Louis sports fan, that was brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Because that year was so magical for the Cardinals. It was 1985. Mm-hmm. They were such an entertaining team. You thought they were going to win the World Series, and then that happened, and we know the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we brought this up. Yeah, nice it's job, Marshy. Yeah. Question six, please. Question number six. From the 314. Is the greatest sports stat in history the fact that Tony Gwynn has more assists in basketball in college than he does strikeouts in the pros? That was put on Twitter just the other day, and that's, I saw it. I've never heard that before. That That's difficult to beat. It was retweeted by Buster Olney, and I looked at that, and there's a picture of Tony Gwynn when he was playing for the San Diego State Aztecs. And he's got like you know the the high shorts, big afro, you know. He, and <laughs> back in the day, you know, you just see he's slender at that time. Yeah. And you think, man. I mean, people said he was one hell of a basketball player, and he you talk about a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you couldn't find a nicer guy. And his son is working as a analyst on radio games for the Padres. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And if you listen, he played, he played there. Oh yeah, he sounds just like exactly him. like yes, him. Yes, I've heard him. It's listening to Tony Gwynn Sr. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's crazy. I remember listening, um, you know, like if you hear like 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 satellite radio, sometimes yes. like it, you, you'll hear the other team's announcers if they're yeah. home. I remember a game that I tuned in for for like the Cardinals when I was driving home or whatever and flipped on that, just happened to flip on that. You're absolutely it's right. It's identical he sounds, voices. He sounds exactly like his father. Yeah. All right, that's your Sports 6 back here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Don't forget, we do have the Pac-12 championship game for you tonight. Oregon, Washington, pregame starting at 6 o'clock. Tuck rule? Tuck rule's a great one. Certainly. Just thought of that one. That yep. comes to mind. What do you think? Do you think that was a, a fumble? Absolutely. I do, too. Yeah. Brady, of fortune Brady kind of so many people. He did. To Charles, to Charles Woodson. Did you see that 30 for 30? I did. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Tuck I mean, there's, there's a ton. I mean, there's a ton. I feel like we're missing. what The Cowboys... The non-catch there, too, with uh, was it Des Bryant yep. in a playoff game? I think it was against the Lions. You know, that that one that one comes to mind. It's just, it's it's very difficult to beat the um, 
the uh, the Galarraga one. Have you ever been on the sidelines of an NFL game? Yes. It's first of all, it's like watching a car wreck every play. The I don't know speed. how guys get up from it, but the speed of the game. I can't imagine being a ref trying to do that. Yeah. And the same thing with a home plate umpire. Or I hockey. Mean, hockey, the speed of the game. Yep. I mean, TV just, just doesn't do it justice. Nope. And to try to call it in the moment is not an easy thing to do. I've said this before. So when I worked in Detroit, I would cover the visiting locker room at times uh, as a stringer. And the Falcons had been had happened to be in town. And uh, I was down the sidelines because – you always can go down there, I think the final four minutes or something like that, go down the sidelines before you go to the locker room. And I've I've said this before on air, but Dan, to watch Vic that close, oh. the velocity Crazy. in which he threw, I, I don't know how any receiver or tight end did not break multiple fingers <laughs> right. a year kept trying to catch his passes. Have you seen the hands of Booger McFarland, the fingers? Anybody, I mean, watch those. Watch his look at his hand. His our, fingers go in the wrong direction. Our guy Isaac Bruce or Tory Holt. Tory Holt's got the same smokes. thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Of, they play. They play. They make a lot of money. There's, there's a bill that comes due. No doubt about it. And a lot of times it's your body, unfortunately. All right, uh, NFL Pick'em Challenge. We'll do our picks next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get ready to pick up. It's the Fast Lane Football Pick'em Challenge on 101 ESPN. Refreshed by Bud Light. Well, you sure know how to pick them. I said I wouldn't, but we are down one now in the NFL Pick'em Challenge. Mm, with what the, the hell, Anthony? Show. I just, I, look, I got to keep the people updated on what happened. So Marsh must have took the Seahawks, huh? They almost won, Anthony. Leave yeah, them alone. Leave sure. the kid alone. Yeah. No, I didn't turn in his pick last night, so that's why we're down. I would have been okay with him taking the Seahawks, but uh, no, that's not what happened. So, no. got a little work to do. Dan McLaughlin in. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Are you guys ready to pick them? Let's do it. All right. Let's start off with a big matchup. The one we kind of broke down earlier today. Eagles, 49ers. I got the Niners, boys. Eagles, tough spot. Played basically an extra quarter last week against the Bills. I think they're banged up as it is. Should have lost to the Chiefs. Didn't. Give him credit for winning. Should have lost last week against Buffalo. Give him credit for winning. But this is a different animal. And the Niners have seemingly had this game circled for a year now. And everybody remembers the uh, interview with Debo Samuel and Adam Shine on Adam Shine's show where Debo said we would have won by, I don't know, 21 or whatever had Brock Purdy played the entire game last That's right. I don't think he was, while he's being, you know, brash, I also, I also wonder if they know they have a, a pretty good matchup, assuming Purdy... Stays healthy. So, I got the Niners in uh, in the Pick'em pick Challenge. Who do you guys have? Niners are healthy. I like what you're saying about, uh, about Brock Purdy. He was hurt in last year's NFC Championship game. All right, hear me out on this. The Eagles are plus three, at least at last check. Might be two and a half. Let's just say plus three. If it was, push on the line. Niners get the win. Okay. That's where I'm at. I'm okay with that. I'm also going with the 49ers. Anthony, you convinced me, yes. even though I did put my pick in last night. Yeah, right. Uh, after the 
Thursday night football game, of course. Yep. Uh, that the Niners would win this game, so I'm going to stick with them. Okay. Let's do. Let's do this. Dan, you had mentioned the Broncos and Texans is another game that you're interested in. I could. I could see why. Broncos or Texans? Okay. C.J. Stroud, NFL rookie record, four straight 300-yard uh, passing games. Broncos, though, 15 takeaways in their last four games. I still like the Texans to win and cover minus three and a half. I like the Texans as well. They're at home. I think they bounce back, and I think this Broncos run comes to an end. I don't think their season comes to an end, of course. I don't think they'll fall off too completely, but they're playing I what I think is the best team out of all the teams that they've played pretty recently. I mean, you could maybe say the Bills, but the Bills have been up and down. Not that the, not that the Texans haven't, but uh, I like ball security, and Josh Allen has a ton of interceptions. C.J. Stroud does not, mm-hmm. so I'm going to roll with the Texans at home this week. Yeah, the takeaways, as Dan mentioned, the takeaways have been huge for the Broncos. So four straight games for the Broncos with at least three takeaways on defense. So it is about protecting the football. The Texans are 4-2 and two at home this year compared to 2-3 and three on the road. They don't have much of a running game, but th- that's kind of who they are. The yeah. Texans just sling it. So uh, I, I do like C.J. Stroud and the Texans in this, in this meeting as well. And uh, I'm with Marsh. I think the Broncos' success, you know, their little run here ends. I had brought up last week is one of the reasons why I took the Browns because the Broncos have been getting outgained even in wins. It went sideways in a hurry last week. Credit Denver, I blew that one. I was way wrong, but this time I'm I'm back in Houston. All right, what's your favorite play this weekend, guys? If I mm. open up, if I open up the board to you, I'll start. I'll give you guys a, an opportunity to, to to look at it. I had mentioned this earlier to you guys. I don't see how the Browns with Joe Flacco go on the road and knock off the Rams. Not that I think the Rams are anything great, but when Stafford plays, they're a much different team, obviously. They have virtually no shot. I don't care who the opponent is. No shot when he doesn't play. But when Stafford's healthy and they protect him, he's good against everybody. Or most teams, I should say. But the Browns? The Browns have been horrible defensively on the road. They have dramatic splits on, uh, compared to, uh, on the road compared to at home. So I don't see Flacco winning this one. I don't see the Browns playing well. I got the Rams. That's my favorite pick. Better shut down Kyron Williams. No kidding. Local product. Vianney grad, Vianney High School, fourth player in NFL history with at least 140 rushing yards, 60 receiving yards, and two touchdowns in a game. He was insane last week, and he just come back. Yes. He just got, 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 you know, came back from injury, and I read a report that Sean McVay's like, ah, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. And the kid went off. Good I for him, it. man. Absolutely. Vianney grad and then went to Notre Dame and now playing well for the Rams. Certainly. So the Rams are my favorite play. What about you guys? I'm going to go the Chargers at New England. Do you love the Chargers? I love the Chargers. Do you, okay. Do you love the Chargers or do you just hate the Patriots? A little bit of both. The way they, they, they look. Baylor, uh, Bailey Zappi will start. When Mac Jones was at QB, the Patriots produced 7% of explosive plays. And for those that don't know, that's 12-yard rushes, 16-yard completions. That's it, 7%. The Patriots rank last in defensive pressure rate. So I think Justin Herbert will eat him up. I'm going with the Chargers. Marsh, your favorite play? Yeah, it's got to be the Jets over the Falcons this week. Absolutely. I know you tried to... 
Uh, put the Jets in a tough spot with your Stalter stack up at number 10. Everyone knows that that is a curse for any team that lands in that spot. That's However, how I felt. No, I, I think you did it on purpose to support your favorite team, and no, I think it's going to backfire on you. So. Aaron, no. Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers said he was going to come back. The Jets are uh, now hyped out of their mind. Their defense is great. Ritter's going to – I'd say this, mm. Ritter, if I set the, to- the turnover margin for, for Desmond Ritter at 3.5, I'm taking the over. How about B. John Robinson actually touching the ball now for the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> it's nice to see Arthur Smith realize that uh, B. John Robinson's on the team. That's nice. So what is your pick? Yeah, Jets, Jets right? over Falcons. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Ritter's terrible um, on the road. And the Jets, although they lost on Black Friday to the Dolphins. They played hard. That was a, 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 it was a closer matchup through that first half. Obviously, the pick six on the Hail Mary did not help the Jets by any means. And I think their defense is going to keep them in this game. And somehow they run the ball and manage to win against the Falcons. No doubt. I Atlanta, love that. Atlanta, by the way, season I, 61% of their plays runs just a week ago. Jets mediocre against the run. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson benched. Tim Boyle was worse. So Atlanta wins this game. You with me or not? No, I got the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. No, yeah. no, sir. Oh, yeah. No. That's Your a, Falcons. I'll tell you what. It's a 16-13 game either way. You're right about that. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to play FanDuel's correct score, yes. 16-13, sprinkle it on the Jets. 16-13, sprinkle it on the Falcons. Like that is a 16-13 final. I'm with you on that. All right. If you're going to pick if you're going to pick an upset this weekend, and it could be of any variety, okay? It doesn't have to be a massive upset, but it just has to be a Vegas underdog. If you're going to take an underdog, who would it be? Arizona. I kind of like that. Is it because the Pittsburgh Steelers do not have an offense? They yes. choose not to play offense. It's a miracle they are 7-4. and four. <laughs> It really is. Now, You're they right. did have 400 yards of offense last week, but it's still a miracle. I think Pittsburgh, it's a trap game coming off games against the Browns, Bengals, maybe a little letdown. The Steelers are favored by 5.5, but Arizona 2-10, and 6-6 six and six against the spread. So I'm going with the Arizona Cardinal. I kind of like that one. Marsh, you have an upset special. I do. They just fired their head coach. I think teams that fire their head coach and then bring in a new guy get an extra bit of life in their locker room. I agree with this. And I think the Carolina Panthers upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, good for you. I like that. Baker Mayfield, scrappy though. He is scrappy. He's a little scrappy. I got one for you guys. I got an upset. I don't know if I'm actually going to take it in the pick and pull. I don't know if I have the Huevos Rancheros to do it. But with the way that Jared Goff has played the last couple of weeks here, I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints upset the Lions. He's in a funk, Jared he Goff. He's in a massive funk. Uh, the Saints are coming off uh, a loss, but they they still have a, a solid defense. And the Lions defensively, it's not just Goff. Lions defensively have not played well in recent weeks. They gave up 29 to Jordan Love and the Packers. Uh, six of those came on a pick six, so factor that in. The Bears, they had a bit, Goff had a bunch of turnovers, put them in a bad spot. But, you know, the Chargers, go back to that Chargers game. They gave 38 points to the Chargers. So defensively, the last three weeks have not been good for the Lions. Jared Goff, the last three weeks has not been not been great, two, the last two games specifically. So my upset special would be the Saints over the Lions. New Orleans should be desperate. They're 5-6, mm-hmm. and six, and they're desperate because they're tied with the Falcons atop the NFC South. Loaded NFC South. Those teams are just basically beating each other up, Dan. Bucks 4-7, and seven, Carolina 1 win. Should be desperate. I like your pick. Like I, your pick. 
Does the NFC South produce for the second straight year a losing team that wins the division? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes, they do. That's probably a pretty good bet. Yep. All right, biggest question of the day. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. With Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with our biggest question of the day. All right, gentlemen, we talked about it at the start of the show. The Blues picking up a victory against Buffalo last night, and Jordan Jordan Bennington stood on his head as he stopped 42 shots. 46 shots came his way last night. I don't know about you guys. Would you say that Jordan Bennington stole that game? I would say it's definitely possible, definitely for sure. Uh, but <laughs> definitely for sure, definitely for <laughs> sure, definitely, for, definitely possible, definitely for yeah. sure. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> does Jordan Bennington continue to be the most important piece on the Blues roster? Yes, because hundred percent. Danny's the most consistent. Yep. You you had let off the show. <laughs> you, Who are the Blues? You, that's you rattled off a couple things, and you said you said uh, I know that. You know, I know this, I know that. I don't know who the Blues are, and you're right. <laughs> At this point in the season, I don't know how anybody does, but we do know that Jordan Bennington has been their most consistent player outside of maybe Colton Pareko. He's he's off or, to or, a good start. Or Jake Neighbors, who's been red hot. But Nine goals for Jake Neighbors. You talk about somebody that you need to have a big season if you're, if you're going to make the playoffs, Jordan Bennington. And Bennington's been your most consistent threat. And you've seen off nights for the Blues. And if we've learned anything through 22 games is that they're consistently inconsistent. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're not sure what team you're going to get on a night-in, night-out basis. Ways that you can win those games, though, and let me just give you, is to have great goaltending. But even strength, the Blues had 41% of the shot attempts last night. 41% 41% of the shots on goal, 37% of the scoring chances. So what's that tell you is that your goalie was pretty darn good. Sabres had 82 shots, and as Marshy mentioned, 46 landed on goal. That tells you that Jordan Bennington was fantastic. The Blues have had more total shot attempts in only three of the 22 games that they played in. Three of the 22. So your goalie That's- has been really good. Really good. Yeah, that's uh, that's no, that's that's not great. That's no. remarkable, but not in a good good way. No. The last night, Dan, I I don't know how you felt, but one they scored a power play goal, which was nice nice to see. The the defense and the amount of shots and the fact that you didn't possess the puck for long stretches again. I mean that that all factors in. That's not good. But I thought that, and Jamie's talked about this. They played fast with the puck. You know, you look at some of the passing that was done. Uh, Buchnevich and um, Jordan Cairo. You know, Jamie had mentioned on the broadcast how quick Jordan Cairo was in a, like a three to six minute stretch there where he played well. I, I thought most of last night was positive in that you wanted to see the power play get better. You wanted to see them them play better, play faster with the puck. You wanted to continue to see uh, Jordan Bennington stand on his head. I think you, you you hit a couple of those. Jake Neighbors, you, know, you want to continue to see his ascension, and you, and you have. So I thought last night was big for uh, several reasons. I think the one thing, too, Jake Neighbors is going to the net. You know, you're talking yeah. about deflections. You're talking about some of the ugly goals that you can get. And that's the way Chief has talked about it in any of the interviews that he's been on the station. You know, he said, we need to get traffic and 
try to get people in front of the net and deflections and rebounds and those kind of things. And if you look at how Neighbors has played, to go from the fourth line to jump up to the second line now to be on the first line, mm-hmm. Chief is rewarding the type of play that he wants to see. Definitely. And that's what he's getting out of Jake Neighbors, which has been, as a fan, I enjoy it. I, I love stories like this when you get guys that – yeah, you know, I didn't have high expectations for Jake Neighbors. I thought he'd no. be fine. I, I thought he'd be a solid player. But did I anticipate this? I don't no. think anybody did. Nine you, goals you in twenty-two develop. games. I mean, he's on a pace for thirty-five, just shy of forty goals. Yeah, that's didn't see that happening. Did, didn't see it happening at all. Uh, since we're doing the biggest question of the day, I'm going to throw out uh, some of these questions we've already answered. But in relation to the college football conference championship weekend, all right, Dan, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, could Oregon and Washington both get in? No, I'm going to rephrase it. I'm not. I'm not going to say could. I'm just say. Do you could think they, yes? But do, do you, we yeah, think? Do you think Oregon and Washington both get in? No, I think it's just one or the other. I agree. Does Florida State get in if they win against Louisville? I think they do. I do too. I think they do. I, it's just hard to turn away an undefeated season and a conference champion. Right, and I understand a lot of people that are saying. Look, you, you got to factor in the quarterback and him being hurt. And it's all logical, too. It, it's very logical. I'm not saying I, I disagree. I'm just saying that from a committee standpoint, they've got enough quality wins. And, and it, at that point, they would have an un, unbeaten season and a conference title. I, I just I don't think that you're going to leave that team out. All right. Next one. Um, is Ohio State done? Yes, I agree. If Alabama beats Georgia... Is it Alabama? Is it Georgia? Is it both? Is it none? It's Texas. Texas and Alabama? Georgia. Texas and Georgia? Yeah. Wow. I don't think they fall out of the top four. Okay. That's reasonable, right? I I could make an argument for any of those situations. So if you, outside of the SEC being left out, that's that's not going to happen. I could see Georgia still being in because of the resume. I could see Georgia and Alabama. I can too. And I could see Alabama and Texas and Georgia being left out because of the head-to-heads. I can see all the different, was it ruminations? Is that right? That sounds right. We'll yeah. go with it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I can see all these scenarios. That's better. Sure. Unfolding. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if you're the committee. If you're the committee, Alabama wins how do you how do you not have Texas leapfrog Alabama in head to head? But then again, how can you have? I still say I still say Georgia stays in the top four. Yeah. So then, who gets left? I don't know, man. I don't think, and and I don't think that it's going to be as complicated as as we're all making it. I think Georgia beats Alabama, and that's that's going to be it. Every year we get down to this point yep. and talk about the different scenarios and right. the favorites win, and then there's nothing you have to worry about. All right, by Sunday night, Marsh, I want you to play too. Last question. By Sunday night, the top four teams in order will be? The top four teams in order will be? Georgia. Georgia. Michigan. Michigan. Oregon. Oregon. Oregon, Texas. Texas. Yeah. That makes sense. You're with us on that? Yeah, I think I am. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. And if it's not Texas, then? Then it's Florida State. And it's Florida State. I think Florida State, if they win, they still remain at four. I agree. I need to change that. Yeah, Florida State is in. Texas out. You have Florida State winning. Okay, so for Dan, the only difference is Florida State over Texas. For Marsh and I, it's going to be Texas because I got Louisville beating Florida State. What's the line in that game, by the way? 
Florida, Florida State, State game. Uh, Louisville's plus one and a half. Wow. It opened, I believe, at three. Yeah. And then just slowly trickled down. It was two and a half for most of the week. And then with the, the news that Tate Rodemaker is doubtful now, and he's their backup quarterback, with that game being, uh, with him being doubtful, it went down to one and a half. I need to talk to my friends and help them out with that too. A little information, a little sprinkle. Yeah. A little just, information, just a little sprinkle. info. No big deal. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm yeah. Anthony Salter. Just We've, a little info. Just a little bit. Yeah, we have Fader follow. Our contestant, I think it was his first week last week, right, Marsh? Uh, I believe it was his second. His second week. It was Lou. Lou pushed because we had the Eagles minus three over the Bills. And if you push, you don't win, obviously. But you get back. You can come back next week. So that's what Lou's doing. We needed a miracle in that Eagles finish. They gave it to us. So Lou's back. So we'll play Fader Follow with Lou. And uh, wrap up the show with what you missed and maybe some criticisms and compliments next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. I'll fade, I'll fade. Money, 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 money. With Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Time for Fade or Follow. FanDuel's Fade or Follow. And we welcome Lou back. Lou, that got a little hairy, man. I don't know if you were watching the game last week, but we were praying for uh, overtime, and then we got it, and then we were praying for a touchdown, and we got that. At least you got a push. Oh, yeah. I was sweating. I was sweating a lot. <laughs> so are we, believe me. Uh, so this week, we Dan and I agree on a lot of these title games we agree on a couple of the nfl games yep when i pitched the hey which one should we go with it was actually marsh who wanted to have some fun so marsh i'm gonna let you pitch the play to lou yes 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 the iowa team total of six and a half it is at minus 128 gentlemen are we taking the over are we taking the under on the six and a half i could see them losing 44 to nothing and I can see them losing 31 to 7. And I think they get into it. I think they get one touchdown in. And that's they, what I do too. And they don't go for two. And they kick the extra point and they barely squeak out the over. Yep. That's the hook, though. Couple field goals. Yep. You're six and a half. Right. So I, I do or think a they. Touchdown, they go for two and they don't get it. That's another one. I think they get the touchdown and kick the field, or kick the uh, extra point. I could see even uh, like an early turnover by Michigan sets up Iowa. Yes. I could even see them like leading seven to nothing real early and then losing forty-four to seven. Yep. Uh, so, w- anyways, we We're have taken the, the over six and a half points for Iowa against Michigan tomorrow night in the Big Ten championship game. I don't know if this is a fun play for you or a torturous one, but Lou, would you like to fade or follow us? Ooh, so <sighs> so Iowa has to score I... seven. That's it. <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to go ahead and follow you because Iowa's only scored less than seven points once this year. That was when they got shut out by Penn State. And I feel like Michigan's going to look ahead, and if they get up big, they're going to take some guys out and try and uh, keep guys healthy. So I'm thinking Iowa maybe squeaks one in, too. 
I love it. I yeah. love the break. I love the breakdown too. You knew been it off thinking the top about of your head. This. Yeah, that, this that, is they, great. They got shut out by Penn State. I, I think it's. I think you nailed it too. I think you're absolutely spot on. That Michigan, they know that Iowa's not going to come back. Let's say they get up twenty-eight to nothing. I think they probably start pulling some guys and getting ready for the the, the playoff game. So uh, Lou, again, I think you I think you killed that one. So uh, over six and a half points for Iowa tomorrow night. We'll be rooting for you. All right, I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right, you guys have a good weekend too. All right, thank you. That's uh, that's Lou. He's Very been fun. following us and he's been winning or a push. Yeah. That's like a win. He's, so you advance one more week. He's got one dub. And he's got one push, yeah, which is not a loss. That's right. And uh, hopefully tomorrow night, Iowa gets him at least seven. It's unbelievable. <laughs> What's the total for that game? 34 and a half. 34 and a half. I like the over on that because I think that Michigan's going to do that themselves. I do too. They're going to pound him. You and I watched with great interest. <laughs> Iowa, Nebraska. We actually made it through the game. We talked about this off air. Punts galore. It was just a punt. Every possession, it was three and out, and it was an awful college football game. Yeah. It was as ugly as you could possibly get. Right. Till the very end, turnover, Iowa puts it in, and that was it. And that was it. Mercifully. Oh, that was a bad football us. game. It certainly was. Yeah. But this has been a great show, and you can listen to the podcast on great 101 show. ESPN. Uh, download it. Downloaded via the website or the app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Dan, love doing radio with you, man. Great you too, stuff buddy. as always. Always fun. Always I, fun. Thanks, guys, for I've, having me. I've enjoyed this too on a on like kind of a football Friday. We talked a lot of football. Yes, you know did. my heart's with baseball, but I love football. Well, there wasn't I a ton going on. We I snuck can't in hang some with you, man. Yes, you can. Are you on kidding the football me? St- oh, I can't hang. Are you with kidding you. me? No, no, with no. With no, your no. nuggets over little there, nu- little nuggets. I I dive in to try to help Stop out my friends. It. You're fantastic, Dan. You know that. Help out my friends that dabble in things. Yeah. We you did, know? We did make predictions for the college football championship game. We talked about all the pertinent storylines. What if Bama beats Georgia? What if, uh, you know, two Pac-12 teams get in if Oregon wins tonight? Does Florida State get in if, you know, they win undefeated, but they got the third string quarterback in now? You know, we talked about that. We did talk some Cardinals. Uh, Dan broke down the reliever market. Yep. Talked about how important that was. Shohei, what's the best landing spot for him for Major League Baseball? Is it on the West Coast? We talked to a little Cowboys Seahawks as well. Dak Prescott, MVP. Uh, Mike McCarthy, perhaps underrated at this point. So all of that is available on the podcast. Of course, our NFL Pick'em Challenge picks as well. March, what do you got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, let's start with the 636. Just a simple, have a great weekend, gents. Oh, that's nice. Same to you, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate everybody listening uh, this week. Now, other than football, anything on the docket for the family? Uh, Not a thing. Birthday parties. Oh, yeah. My kids are going to dances. You haven't uh, experienced that. Marsh, you don't have kids yet, but you will at some point. So what do we got? Uh... Get some high school dances. Turn around. What do they call that? I don't know what they call it. I used to call it the Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins dance. Now it's called, uh, at least at my high school, it's called Turnabout. That's what we called it. Yeah, never mm-hmm. heard of that turnabout. It's yeah. when the, where they, it's uh, where the, the it's... girls ask the the guys. The guys. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. I never heard of it. Now I have. Um, <laughs> well, what dances are they going to? Do we even know? A little high school action. Okay. You know. Um, I know you got to get some flowers for this. You got to prepare. You got to have the before party, which is a little dinner. Then you go to uh, the dance, and you got a little after get together. So it's um, you know some winter th- some winter dance. Yeah, just high, a, high school, you said? Yeah. Okay, all right. Cool. Yeah. 
We got one from the 217. Not sure if it's a criticism or a compliment, but Dan mostly stayed on topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't get too crazy today, did we? No, I have a we bad didn't... habit of interrupting you, and I don't no, mean to you do don't. that. Yeah. No, you don't. I do. Not one bit. I get, I get going, I get all these things in my head, and then I start jumping all over the place, and uh, I'll take that as a compliment that I stayed on track for the most part. Most you know, part. On this show, it's actually a detriment, because we like when you just go off the rails sometimes well, there's things that I, I sometimes i look at the tv and you're talking about <laughs> the, the uh, offensive line of the carolina panthers and i'm like hey did you guys notice this in basketball you know i kind of do school, that high school teams oh yeah i did yeah. that today <laughs> what do you guys think of that national games for high school hoops i think that's pretty cool for college kids I mean, if you're not doing it every time, like if you're not the same team, every, like when LeBron was... Yeah, now that was cool. That was, you know, but I mean, that's kind of cool to be a national game on a, in a high school. That's neat. Yeah, I guess so. A little pressure put you're on worried, those youngsters. You're worried about the pressure of playing I think it'd be a little, little pressure put on the youngsters. Yeah. little pressure. Uh, last thing here, want to give a shout out to the Snake Pit. Uh... It looks like everyone, including Gator Bait, thinks that uh, we need to come out big this upcoming week in the gauntlet playoffs for Mike, who unfortunately lost today in the gauntlet. Yeah, he did. There was a criticism by you, Anthony, earlier in our show because Marsh did not make a pick. Yeah. Mm. Marsh, get those picks in. Yeah, he did not pick last night's game. So we are trailing by one now. Rehashing that, aren't we? Sorry, Marshy. But... We're not going to criticize him because he had the Packers over the Lions last week. Pick me up on that one. Genius last week, not so much this week. Mm. It's a wash, so we'll move forward here. But Marsh is not going to miss a pick the rest of the season. I know him. I won't. He wore this. He didn't sleep last night. I don't know if they should do those high school games. <laughs> you did not like my take on that. I can tell. You did not like my take on the. Uh, that's pretty cool. You're, you, I, I can tell Dan is sitting there like, no, it's not. It's too much pressure on these youngsters. The parents look freaked out in, in the stands here as Columbus takes on Montverde. Did you have Montverde in this game? I don't know. What they, I mean, where are these? Oh, Florida. I was like, where are these kids playing at? I hope they did. They're up by Florida. 22, yeah. 24, I don't know what the line was now. on this. Yeah. No lines in high school. All right. For Andrew Marsh and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stoltz. Everybody had a great weekend. Have some fun. Be safe. We'll see you on Monday. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.